I'm playing with my new laptop in there. I can change the sound levels live. Hmm. What, what laptop you got? I got it like a refurbished Lenovo from a, you know like one of the you know like the the mass produced ones they do for offices and they always yeah. flood eBay once like a new one comes out. If you go on eBay, you can get one for pennies, and people have torn the insides out and put like a a new hard drive in and put in loads of RAM. Because I think so, my Mac is definitely on the outs. That's how good this. I've been part of the reason I've been flooding that Google Drive is to clear all the stuff off this, mm. <laughs> just to get rid of it. Put a lot up recently, have oh, you? So much. <laughs> That's good. My favourite folder and Sam's favourite folder on the Google Drive is Irish stuff. <laughs> <laughs> What's an Irish stuff, JP? Oh, it's just like Irish sport, Irish politics, Irish history, and a bit of Irish comedy <laughs> chucked in there. <laughs> all Irish, obviously. Like them beating the All Blacks, them beating Italy in Euro 2016 with Irish commentary. You got the whole game on there. Yeah. The whole the game. The whole game, both parts. Wow. Have you rewatched it? With Robbie Brady scoring that header. Oh, yeah, I remember the goal and Roy Keane um, like basically congratulating his players by grabbing them by the neck yeah. after the game. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> that was the last time they played good until earlier this year with Georgia. It's been pure shite since then. What's your, what's your uh, what's on your Google Drive, JP? What's your uh, what's on the Irish? On the Google Irish, Drive? just the Irish <laughs> folder. Well, holy God, it's Glen Rowe. Yeah, that's about the soap Glen Rowe. I was hoping to tie in with Glen Joe to make you <laughs> watch it. Just as, come on, that's that's what I can't play. Ask Glen Joe. Yeah, that's brand Irish, which is about how the Irish branded themselves in the in the Celtic Tiger economy. New Dublin's gangland war. That's What's the Celtic Tiger economy? I mean, when they started to do well, when it came out of the, the oblivion of the 70s, 80s, oh, right. so and like, 90s. Okay, yeah. okay. Irish rugby four days in November. That's when they beat the All Blacks the first time in Chicago. Ronan O'Gara documentary. Um, then a lot of stuff with Ireland, New Zealand. No words needed. Croke Park. Uh, a what's, documentary what's about her... Oh, about when they opened up Croke Park to foreign teams. A three-part documentary narrated by Liam Neeson on 1916 Easter Rising. I'd watch that. The Irish Revolution, the years afterwards. At Prey Match, which is a sports thing, an <laughs> Irish sports thing. Soupy Norman, which is a Polish soap opera, cut down into 10 minutes, dumped over by Irish people. Why? Why does that exist? What? It's- Mate, watch it. It's brilliant. It is <laughs> it's just weird as hell. Just like people going, hello, I'm from Athlone. Um, <laughs> but the Polish. And, and a three. But yeah, they keep it. No, but they just dub over it. So they just is make it comedy? out. Like, yeah, it's a comedy thing. Okay. So it's not a comedy in Poland, but because of the dubbing, they've embraced yeah. it as a comedy in Ireland. That's it's cool. a Polish soap opera. Okay. It's quite good. It's quite niche. Yeah. That. And a three-part documentary on hurling called The Game. <laughs> How is that? And that's very good. Yeah. What's yeah. what's the, the like the angle on hurling? Oh, it's more the history of the history of the GAA. So would I enjoy it as someone who knows nothing yes, about hurling? You would. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you would. Get get in on it. That's that's where the action's happening. That Irish stuff driver. The game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon Triple H is going to do it for copyright infringement? And um, or the probably. rapper cease and desist. Oh, the rapper. Yeah, yeah true. Remember yeah. him? He was a thing. I liked him. Good first album, the documentary. Oh, great first album. One of the best hip-hop albums ever, then. <laughs> yeah, show me about what came after, really, isn't it? It was the beef with 50. That's where it kind of fell apart. Like You, yeah. just, you didn't want to yeah. see it. It was just too... It's like 
There's definitely rest. It's like wrestling equivalents when brothers have feuds and you just don't want to see it. You don't want to see Jeff versus Matt Hardy. You don't want to see Game versus Fifty Cent. It just yeah. Let's hope he doesn't turn up in one of those documentaries about Instagrammers doing out of a festival like Jar Rule did as his comeback. <laughs> like Jar Rule, I've got no problem with people going after. Like the, the, there's something fun about like a Fifty Cent just dunking on Jar Rule like incessantly. I hated his voice. I remember whenever he used to come on the radio, I was ranting and raving about that to turn it over. Just, I found it hard to listen to. And then Nelly was around just shortly afterwards, who I also couldn't stand. I remember hating <laughs> Nelly and Kelly. Do you remember that song? Yeah. Oh, the video to that song. Oh, my God. It was on the hits constantly on Freeview. Because having a music channel was appealing. So I'd never had Sky. So when Freeview came out, it was like the hits constantly and that song. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't hate Nelly. I, 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 you know, yeah, he's a pop, he's a pop rapper, but you know, he fits a certain part of the market, appealing to yeah. Justin Timberlake fans. Now, I like Justin Timberlake, especially ju- Justin especially Timberlake. Justified. Mm, good, that, good that that was a big album. My uh, year eleven prom, I remember. I remember dancing to uh, oh, what's the name of the song? I just want to love you, baby. That song, cracking <laughs> tune. Wait. <laughs> We've definitely started now. JP, the audio is working. I don't care. The show started. We're in it. <laughs> I don't know We're where to go from there, though. You're going to have to do an introduction now and all that stuff. <laughs> I suppose. Hello, this is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. All right, lads. Uh, it's another bank holiday weekend. We're recording uh, quite early on. Uh, how do I find you both? I'm um, really looking forward to not walking up the hill at Alexandra Palace this weekend. So, yeah. <laughs> That's, we're, 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 we're providing... I'm going to try and put the episode out a bit early, provide some entertainment for the poor people who are having to do that walk. Um, mm. Yeah, it's going to be a very... Uh, super strong style this uh, podcast this week hopefully we'll talk about it once it comes out on vod but none of us could make it gareth who runs grapple is going down for the the last two days uh i was tempted to join him for one but there's all kinds of strikes going on at houston uh so i not strikes is it? it's rail rail replacement rail works it's it would take like four and a half hours to get the train, right. um, but it'd mean an overnight stay so i can't do it and you're both busy as well aren't you yeah, well, I probably could have made the Monday, but uh, I just can't be bothered, if I'm honest. Um, the thought of not walking up that hill is one that's quite relieving, to be honest. And if I never have to go to Alexandra Palace again, I'll be a happy man. I've heard people rave about it as a venue, you know. I've heard people say, like, uh, was it Mort or somebody like somebody from abroad was saying, oh, yeah, I'm coming over to her because I really liked it last time I went. Uh, I do remember you guys liking it more the second time when they, when they changed, like, the setting of it and stuff. Well, it was better because the facilities were better because mm. they were like um, beer trucks and food trucks. That was cool. But mm. it's a big room with a flat floor. Mm. Like how great are wrestling shows that are in big empty rooms with flat floors and high ceilings. Like mm. it's not the most ideal setting. Yeah. Um, it's annoying to get to as well. You know, I think that's, that's primarily the issue with it is the location because it mm. isn't near anywhere else. And it is at the top of a massive hill, which I think it's the W3 bus. And I've brought it up before on on podcasts about the place. I used to, I grew up around there. Mm. Went there for sledging, 
went there because there was ice hockey on and there was arcades, including the WrestleMania one. Did you sledge down so, the hill? Oh, yeah, yeah, but it's it's kind of breakneck stuff. It's quite steep. <laughs> Me and my brother would do it back in the day. It was like, you know, it was wild. You, could ve- you just fall off. You'd end up just <laughs> bouncing off the place. Yeah, very steep, well worth it. Do you, do you ever do Bit any of an sledging, to get there. Say it again. Do you ever do any sledging any time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it was a rite right of passage back in the day, wasn't it, when it was snowing? Mm. I don't see you sledging anymore when it snows, you know. What's this country come to? I don't I think I ever did. It's gone mad, Ex- is what it is. Exactly. Did you just saw them thing? Like, up, up here. I think I had a skateboard. That was about it, really. Um, <laughs> really? I'd go on it on my knees. I'd never stand on it. I remember having one as a kid, but I nev- never, never sledged, I don't think. Maybe I missed out. Is there not hills all over the place and in and around Lancashire at various points you could have gone out to? Lancashire? You mean Merseyside? Um, <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Oof. Let's not get into that. Could have gone out to the moors. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe oh, it's the just The drive me. would have been a killer, would it? In the snow. <laughs> oh, there you go. Good yeah, point. Good point. Yeah. People can let us know if they've been sledging. They can give us that feedback. People have been messaging me after you asked last time, Joe, for uh, feedback from Super Strong Style. So hopefully we'll be able to talk some of that on our, our net Lex show as well. But yeah, sledging feedback. Add that to the to the list as well. Uh, I mean, while we're on it, uh, I mean, it, it it feels a bit silly to go into it in too much detail because people will be listening to this show probably as super strong style. But it was so annoying, wasn't it, when we recorded on Monday while you were recording that amazing yeah. David Star promo came out. James Musselwhite uh, put it together. Um, I'd been tipped off earlier in the evening. It was coming and it just, all of it happened just while we were we were sat here recording and David Starr cut a, a promo about progress that just sounded like pretty much uh, everything you've ever said about progress, Joe. <laughs> he's obviously been listening to this podcast for the longest time as Star, but um, no, I think he's someone who uh, probably thinks on a pretty similar sort of level to myself, I suppose, especially in oh, terms of some of his... WWE. Oh, yeah, and in terms of some of his politics as well, I'd say we're pretty pretty similarly aligned in that way. Uh, and when I saw the promo, again, just another stellar example of why David Starr is the best promo in wrestling at the moment and mm. has been probably for the last year. Um, I was really disappointed in the Wrestling Observer Awards last year because he was number one on my list of best promo. Did you know he didn't even... Listen? He was nowhere on the list. He wasn't even in the honourable mentions. But it sort of spoke to the scope at the time of um, where his promos are being seen. Because he's cutting great promos at the cockpit every month. But Mm. no one's really seeing them. Um, But they're just incredible promos that he's cutting there. And they're about a variety of subjects. And there's comedy thrown in there as well. The man is just an all-rounder when it comes to cutting a promo. Mm. But I'm glad now that he's getting his due. And it's stuff like this, sort of self-produced stuff, that's going to really benefit him, I think. Yeah. But every pro- every promoter's getting onto it as well. Like, I've seen a Future Shock promo that he did where he's just on the street cutting a promo. Rev Pro just put that video out, didn't he, for the building up yeah. a la- ladder match with El Fantasma. Uh, that was... I the content was good, but it was it felt like an imitation of like the David the great David Star promos we've seen, like an imitation yeah, of the I get UCT you. stuff. I get you. El Fantasmo going toe to toe with Star on, on on the promo, and not that he was bad, just didn't really work for me. But it's an easy thing it's to do. Is put a camera right in for the David Star? By Rev Pro. What's Sorry, but I was going to say, is a step in the right direction mm. by Rev Pro? Rev just Pro on progress, really. Yeah, exactly. 
I kind of wish Rev Pro had released some of his promos on the uh, for free. I wish they'd put some of his promos from last year up on YouTube. Mm. And some of the promos with Phantasmo that have happened at the cockpit, they should have put on their YouTube for free to try and hype this match. The promo back and forth with Quilded a couple of months ago mm. of that show with the ring broke was was great, both on Star's part and on Quilden's part. But I don't really know anyone who's seen it because it was just another cockpit show that people don't tend to watch on VOD. Mm. And if they'd have put it up for free, I think it would have really done an even better job at actually hyping the Phantasmo match. It's a great angle at the last show where uh, Star sat on a ladder kind of promo on Phantasmo. Great stuff again, but I've not seen anyone talking about it because mm. I don't think anyone's seen it. It's that stuff that I wish they'd kind of throw out there for free just to try and hype their big shows a bit because again i don't think york hall's sold out whereas if you put these matches. promos say again they've only announced three matches as well like i've heard yeah. people complaining about that today like what is going on there it's interesting isn't mm. it because progress seems to very much follow the wwe uh booking strategy whereas in this regard it's like rev pro following that new japan booking <laughs> strategy you know waiting until the last minute to yeah. announce matches now um yeah it's kind of frustrating but i do think they might have actually sold a few more tickets if they've been releasing this stuff for free because it's been the phantasma feud has been a really really good feud if you followed it hmm. but other than say me jp and a couple of other regulars i don't really know anyone who's that into it because they've not seen the stuff going on at the cockpit really Mm, yeah that's it like i hear it from you guys and from obviously during this show yeah. we'll, we'll watch the old cockpit show with general populace yeah it, i don't think people are seeing it i don't think people are seeing these these great promos from david Starr or much build from rev pro for these these big shows uh but that seems to be like a we've talked about it before haven't we like this isn't the first time like going into this york hall show so they've announced star el phantasma what are the other two matches they've announced um, a kid and uh who was it a kid and matt seidel that's right yeah and aussie open versus suzuki that's that yeah. one's been announced for a while but yes. like, it, it's becoming we have mentioned it before like the, 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 the yet into like the week before shows and they're not announcing anything is it we used to always say about progress didn't we that that we always thought the owners were spread too thin and they needed to hire some staff like it feels like that's mm. what's going on at rev pro as well like there's so much going on You've got to, you, and even when matches do get announced, you've got to dig through the Twitter. There'll be nothing on, like even like the Facebook page, for example. Like you don't, you've got to dig through that to find information. It just feels like, yeah, they, they rely very much on, I don't know, um, fans knowing uh, what's coming or relying on people buying tickets, like you say, like a New Japan, uh, and then eventually announcing the card. Like I know Progress have done that as well, announced cards throughout the week. You know, Monday one match, Tuesday the next match. I'm guessing that's what we're gonna get from Rev Pro next week, but. Yeah, you'd think they'd be a bit more on top of things. You would, wouldn't you? And, and and that's why I think I made the comment earlier on about the promo being produced by, I think it's Beyond Gorilla who do who do the promo for this, that that's hopefully a step in the right direction of kind of outsourcing and giving over the footage they have for someone else to be able to create some promo uh, for the matches and be able to hype it in a different way with a different vision and a different viewpoint because they need that. Because you say about him being spread too thin, it was something that that we'd been speaking about as well, and it may well have kind of added to what happened with the program on free sports in that it follows a very kind of set traditional model, and after a while, as the market is completely changing and evolving, you need to evolve with it as well, and that's for me. I think with Rev Pro, it needs a bit of outside eyes mm. on just a few things, just in terms of even if it's just sort of giving opinions and feedbacks, but just a fresh set of ears for them to be able to sort of listen to what 
what their vision is of wrestling and what they want to do with these cards. And then from that, try and get back some feedback about what works and what doesn't work and go, go from there. I worry about the promotion of that, some of their shows as well, because the cockpit's got a well-established crowd. They basically always sell that out. 200 tickets. Cool. Um, York Hall shows. Yeah. Osprey pack sold out in record time. It's Osprey pack, but they've not sold them out regularly now for sort of just over a year, I think, but also the Bristol show on Sunday it looks like it drew under 100 people from sort of reports I've heard. Now, that's a shocking number for a heavily populated city like Bristol, especially when you've got guys like, I say, Zack Sabre Jr. on the card. Like, it feels to me that there's something intrinsically wrong with the way they're promoting shows at this point, and I wonder whether they need to sort of, I don't know, outsource some help, um, like maybe uh, some sort of company to come in to help promote their shows or to help promote them as a brand more kind of generally because I'm not feeling a lot of hype around stuff they're doing as much as maybe I was two years ago and it feels like there are more refined methods now when it comes to actually hyping shows. It feels like they've kind of fallen behind a little bit to me. It feels like they're a few years behind, uh, say, an OTT at this point or, say, a Fight Club Pro even in terms of marketing. Yeah, that's it. That, that's that's exactly, and they're trying to catch up. Like, say, that Star Phantasmo promo is a, a step in the right direction, but, like, they're running... They're running Manchester in June. I don't know if you're aware of that. There's the the LIJ yeah. stuff seems to be getting some some weird out as well. But they're going to be trying to do that as well. I mean, I was a big proponent of them doing that, coming back up north. Uh, they're actually coming the week before Progress. Uh, Progress themselves have ran Victoria Warehouse before. It's where like the Warehouse Project gigs happen um, and things like that. It was a great venue. Uh, they used it for like that random Manchester show with uh, Jack Sexsmith against Travis Banks uh, last year. Never used it again since. Have taken eight months to come back to Manchester. Uh, I always thought it would be perfect for RevPro to jump in, you know, come in, you know, around now would be the time to run a show. Unfortunately, I say it's the week before progress. I doubt that. I doubt that's on purpose, but it does uh, create an interesting question for people whether they're going to head out to see the the LIJ guys and RevPro or they're going to go out to see, see progress. But yeah, even with that though, they're relying very much on, it's going to be, if anything sells the, those tickets, it's probably going to be the, the LIJ brand more than anything. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'll consider going to the show. I'll consider making the trip up. Oh, you know, good. be nice to come and stay with you for the weekend, Benno, if you're offering. <laughs> anytime, <laughs> mate, anytime. Um, as but, long as you're not wandering around my house half naked again, um, I can talk Charlotte into it. Uh, uh, she wasn't that annoyed, was she? You oh, know? No, she loved it. <laughs> I think that actually, we might need that. I think that's what we need. If you're going to come and stay, you've got to promise you're going to strut around my house in a towel again. You know, I'll excite things at your house, Benno, any time. <laughs> just, you know, if you want to outsource me, just feel free. Oh um, anyway, what was I saying? All right, Landry. <laughs> <laughs> Regarding the LIJ stuff, the only question is, for, I've seen LIJ several times now. They mm. always phone it in when they come over. Yeah. Like, I've never seen Sonada and Evil on even 50% effort when they've come over to the UK. I'm interested in Shingo, to be honest, more than anything else. I don't know how am I that interested to go to Manchester well, for that show for it. That's the problem, isn't it? I think if it's part of maybe a bigger weekend that we can yes. arrange, then I'd possibly be up for it. If there's some other stuff going on that weekend, maybe a PCW show or something the day before, then, you know, I'd, I'd be absolutely in for that and a trip back to the Evoque. But, you know, maybe we can get onto Flutter and get into a range of shows to kind of play off it possibly. 
There you go. So they get, get something going on. Maybe Blackpool's out. Maybe not Blackpool, actually. I think JP hasn't quite recovered from that, so oh. maybe we should stick to Preston. Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, back to that uh, that star promo there that the muscle I put together. Like I don't want that to get lost. Uh, that was that thing was so good. Like that was. What do you think of that? What do you think of progress? I mean, again, we can't really talk to what's going to be happening this weekend at, at Super Strong Style, uh, but. What do you think of progress leaning into that stuff? Uh, I, I I saw some back and forth with people kind of saying, you know, uh, David Starr is, and I, I've said it myself, David Starr's done more to promote this weekend than progress have. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think, you know, progress, I, it feels like it's got their fingerprints on it in some ways. And I think they're doing the right thing by, you know, not going full ball with it, letting David Starr promote this promo, letting uh, Muscle White promote this promo uh, rather than them do it because I think that'd kill it if they if they were all if they were retweeting this promo or putting it over that'd kill it. Um, but I think it's interesting that they're willing to, you know, willing to take it and willing to kind of lean into that perception of uh, of progress that the likes of us, us and others have uh, have been spouting about these last two years and the, the whole WWE relationship stuff. Hopefully they've learned from what WXW did at 16 Carat because they did a very similar thing, didn't they? And they leaned into leaned into it quite subtly at first, but obviously it was like the elephant in the room. And they played off it, and they played off the aspect of WWE as heel. Hmm. And it worked for that room, and it worked for that crowd. I mean, it, seeing the video afterwards, which I know is a whole other point, was kind of like a, a horrible aspect of, of that. But playing WWE as the heel is something that actually is going to get a much more of a genuine uh, response from people. Progress have confused but, the whole thing, though, whereas yes. WXW have kind of gone about it in a very different manner. Mm-hmm. Progress have gone, look at our little company, Access. Look at that. Kyle O'Reilly, Trevor Lee. Whoa! Look how well we've done. We've done really well. WWE <laughs> like us. They're our mates. Whereas WXW never did that. Mm. So Progress have muddied the waters, never been consistent. They've bought into the whole WWE's kind of aspirational narrative that everyone aspires to be a wrestler of a WWE and they sell that to the fans. You think of Pete Dunne versus Jack Gallagher going on after Will Ospreay versus Travis Banks at that unboxing <laughs> oh, yeah. show. Yeah. As a prime example. And how wild people went for... 205 Live star Jack Gallagher and all the rest of it. And what a big deal it was to have Jack Gallagher. But, you know, it wasn't that big a deal to have Will Ospreay. It was a bigger deal to have WWE star Jack Gallagher. Progress have completely bought into the WWE mystique. So when they try and do it two years too late, it's going to come off as hokey and it's going to come off as forced. WXW uh, have more self-awareness, I think, than Progress do at this point. And if they do it, they're going to get criticised again for taking someone else's storyline. Here we are in a tournament again. WXW leaned into it in their tournament, and my God, did it work. Mm. Progress leaned into it in their tournament. I'm kind of for it, because I'm kind of a star of a nice journey in this Mm. tournament. But at the same time, they are going to get the criticism that they're just copying WXW in the same way they got criticism for copying, say, the Fight Club Pro story line with Travis Banks and several other storylines over the over the past couple of years as well where they've kind of been behind the curve a bit I think the other thing as well you've got to be careful in that I applaud them for doing it but you've got to be careful in making the promotion the heel like that's pretty much that's the, yeah. taking the WWE yeah. influence that's WWE in 2019 isn't it like Vince McMahon will be on you know the whole build for the Kofi Kingston mania stuff was him changing matches on a whim and you know leaning into all the worst stereotypes people have about the way WWE shows are put together like, I think that's a big reason why, like, WWE's businesses 
obviously there's stuff in the news the last couple of weeks of the you know, TV ratings being down, them actually making a loss as far as their earnings report this year. Like there's, there's, there's something to be said for you don't want to make the promotion, you don't want to make yourselves the heel because I do think it does turn fans off. Uh, and I do think, you know, there's a element of reality to it that's cool. Uh, but again, you know, I, I always think that's a that's a big element of why yeah WWE is maybe you know so sour. Uh, it's a sour word when we bring it up or you know when we talk about it is that they have pretty much as a promotion they're the biggest hit heels in wrestling. Uh, and yeah, progress kind of being little brother. You don't want to lean into that too much, or maybe it's too late anyway. Well, with WXW, it seems like there's a reluctance to the whole thing. Mm. It almost it feels like they've done it because they were given no other option, whereas they don't really comment on it. And you look at the reaction that Robbie Brookside Canyon Seaman video got at 16 Cara, which was... Well, I got the reaction it should have got, <laughs> uh, whereas progress from day one have just come across like the biggest marks possible and have gone like, ah, WWE, ah, ah, those three letters, whoa. And it's just kind of embarrassing. We were on this stuff like way way before anyone else, Mm. let's be honest here. And everyone was embracing it and going wild about it. And in the way that they've embraced it, it's just not benefited them long term. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's to their own detriment that this has happened. Let's be honest, to us, Progress have been the heel promotion for about two years now, haven't they? For mm. me, since the last Super, Super Strong Star in 2017, it's been kind of like, uh, that lot. <laughs> so, whereas WXW have played their cards right and have really valued the brand a lot mm. more, I haven't been lazy in the way that they've just gone, oh, WWE. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, but uh, it's an interesting thing to lean into. I guess we'll, we'll see more as as, let's, uh, as the weekend uh, kind of unfolds. Uh, talk about it maybe more next week. Uh, but yeah, just some something to keep an eye on. But I mean, I mentioned the WWE stuff there as well. Uh, we were going to mention it on our show on, uh, on Monday, but we ran short of time. But the, those guys just, what the, there's like a mass exodus over there right now. You mentioned then, Joe, yeah. that like, people are marks for wwe like there's no bigger marks for wwe than than the wrestlers sometimes like you look at like uh, i understand why but you'll see like an el Guerro's on twitter you know spouting the company line about wwe and just so happy that he's got his wwe contract not that, that a terrible thing but i kind of i like that the seat seems to be like a bit of a a switch in the mentality of wrestlers you know obviously the dean ambrose is looking to be out on the indies, potentially AW now, the likes of Luke Harper's trying to get out, uh, Leo Rush did that interview this week where he's outright talking about all the problems with with WWE, uh, it's, it's interesting to see the tide turn, and it's like, it feels like every week now there's a story like that, whether it's Harper, it's Leo Rush, it's the Dash and Dawson, the, the, there seems to be constantly now a story about somebody wanting to get out of WWE and actually go the other direction which is a uh, which is nice to see guess it ties nicely into wwe being the heels conversation well they are and they behave like the heels <laughs> i mean you can think of the things that like i mean and this is even the week where saudi arabia was announced again mm. yet again and and as if it's not anything problematic and it's been fascinating with this business story and the stuff that's come out and i'd recommend anyone to sort of look at the work work or listen to a lot of the podcasts involving brandon thurston for his kind of analysis going through those good wrestler as well do you see his match on beyond i didn't see his match on beyond i heard it was really good yeah it was really um, good is it, it, it's well worth checking out 
nice little technical match he had on uh, Beyond's TV a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember who it was he faced. Like I, I always knew that he was a wrestler, uh, but I didn't realize like that he was actually Jay Freddy. He was uh, he was up against like a really nice long uh, oh. technical match. He's got a good mind for the business, that Brandon uh, Brandon Howard. But yeah, his uh, his podcast very good too. Yeah, wrestling, podcasting, spreadsheets, he, he does it all. <laughs> um, but a lot of the analysis of, of what they've said, you can see these kind of cracks appearing in what's going on. And I'm not sort of predicting the death of WWE because they always somehow tend to get through. Hmm. But there are things that have been a concern. One of the things that I've said for a little while now is the danger of that Fox deal and about things going wrong with it. And you look at the ratings and the direction and there has been, and it has been noted, there's been a bit of a correlation between that and when they embraced the Saudi deal as well. Mm. Um, and I think part of what it might well have done is, is turn off a slightly more engaged, younger demographic as to not liking WWE because it'd be effectively, and the John Oliver piece as well, adding on to it, they come across as a very unethical company. Mm. And I think you can see a lot of that and the way they treat talent. And we talk about David Starr and his promos. And the big thing that he's pushing the minute is, is independent mm. as in I, I work for me, whether that's right or wrong. And the consequences of that, this is what I do. And that really works. And that really resonates with people where, and you can see from the amount of people who want to leave WWE that it's just effectively we're going to throw money at you, but you know you're not going to be any happier because mm. uh, until there is some massive sea change within creative and the only way that could occur, and it's not good for the industry, obviously, if WWE start going very badly wrong um, or start losing money or lose the Fox deal and it gets moved on to, I don't know, Fox Sports because the ratings do terribly. I don't see any sort of creative out for them. They can't just suddenly bring... Vince McMahon as a regular character on TV and think that's going to work because that really is only a what a one week effect now at this point because mm. they've overdone it they have no fresh ideas and then the talent not being happy and you're like well do you blame them mm. because they're still we still have the issue of the independent contractor status which they could easily pay for it's like an extra 28 million a year they're a disgusting shit company and they deserve <laughs> the grief that goes in their direction and the idea of trying to say oh you know they were a really good company. What look at those WrestleMania moments? Like fuck the Wrestle, <laughs> fuck the WrestleMania moments. It's at the point where you you've got billions of dollars, and rather than humouring a fucking lunatic who lives in 1984, you know why not try giving some of the money to the fucking people who actually earn the money for your company? Ran over. Uh, Leo Rush became my favourite wrestler this week. Um, he tried to give him the money, didn't he? They offered what did they offer him? Like three hundred thousand or something? Three hundred grand, and he's turned them down. Yeah, I love you want six years, three hundred grand. Like, you know what? I really like him. <laughs> this, in my eyes, is because star. Yes. So he's thinking about himself. I, I was criticising some of the guys, some of the British guys, mm. like recently, for not protecting themselves enough and just kind of falling for the brand and the promotion. Mm. Whereas Leo Rush has gone. These lot are a bunch of fucking nutters. So I'm going to see what I can get out of them, and I'm going to play them. And yeah, he's probably going to get the sack. But it seems like he wants to get the sack. So if It'll he gets hot as hell, yeah. If he get, I'll, I'll buy a Leo Rush T-shirt. If he comes out on the Indies just to say good work, mate, for saying <laughs> fuck you. I hope his parting out with the company is walking into Vince's office and living out my dreams, and I can live vicarious a shit on his desk. Well, not shit, but just having a go, calling oh. him an absolute nutcase. <laughs> I can live my dreams vicariously through Leo Rush, basically. But 
good, absolutely good on the guy. Like, there's this whole thing about him having to carry water or something as well, isn't there? Could and, he happen to be there, mate? He's in WWE. He's made it. He's uh-uh. living. His, he's got a contract that says the letters WWE on it. You know, never mind well, how he's paid or how he's treated. Well, what I love is that people are actually turning these offers down mm. because. This should be a wake-up call to them to go, why are these people turning these offers down? Mm. And actually having a bit of self-awareness and doing a bit of self-analysis and considering um, work-life balance and health and well-being in the workplace. Because these things are absolutely vital in 2019 in the workplace. You know, no longer do we want, I don't know, to become an Iron Sheik or a Roddy Piper and have a like, I don't know, become crackheads. Look at Marty Jannetty as an example, right? You saw that last week. Like these guys now are thinking about who they are, their lives. They're not putting job first anymore. Mm. They're putting their own personal happiness first. And would I take 200 grand over 500 grand a year to be like happy in my life? Or would I take 500 grand to be miserable? I'm going to take the 200 every year. I'm not motivated by money at all. Mm. Me and JP used to work for an evil, evil college that had dealings in Saudi Arabia as well. Really? Probably not. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. scandal about it. We can go into it. If, if listeners ever want to hear it, just ask and we'll talk about it because we can probably talk about it. But it's not that interesting. Well, it is interesting. But... I didn't sign an NDA. I'll happily say whatever. No, nor did I. So fuck them. But <laughs> we both left and my life is harder for leaving mm. and I spend more money on like travel. But I'm considerably happier now in the situation I'm in. And it's a completely different type of job, completely mm. different type of circumstance. But at the same time, I was working for a bunch of cunts um, and now I'm not. So there you go. And I absolutely get why you wouldn't want to work for some insane psychopath yeah. in his own little closed off world when you could work for people who well, have some independence and work for people who might care about you and give you a little bit more freedom. Yeah. Ben, what do you think of like the pettiness with like Luke Harper and Dash Wilder? It's yeah. it's very hard to defend, isn't it? It yeah, I mean, if you're if you're WWE, you don't you don't want your wrestlers going to AEW, but if you got like a like say a Luke Harper, who you're not going to use anyway because you can't do a Southern accent, wasn't that that was in the Observer this week, wasn't it? You can't uh... another yet another Vince dipshit <laughs> booking thing going on. Never mind how good he is, he just doesn't like him, but he's going to keep him regardless. Uh, that's kind of the, the the company though, isn't it? And it's like, it's not like they're on Premier League money either. You know, it's like even mm. even if you you know you, I think Dash and Dawson, if you know there were big rumors around there, what what were they offered like five hundred grand or something like that? Or five hundred grand, five like, years, two and a half mil, two and a half Each. mil altogether, altogether over the five years. Yeah, like that's. That's actually that's the time the money wrestlers should be on though. Like I was laughing. Did, did you see all the news? Well, I'm sure you will. I've seen the news stories this week with uh, Raul Jimenez in his uh, Sin Cara mask, and Sin Cara is coming out to defend him, and he's going on about like Sin Cara is his hero. I was thinking like Raul Jimenez is on about twenty times the money of Sin Cara, probably more because wrestling is so fucked. Like compared to any other sport, compared to like the Premier League, like the wrestlers are just like. And I think part of it is it goes back to that conversation of like, especially younger wrestlers are. Uh, I don't know, maybe Marks are strong, but Marks the way for WWE. And I just love that, yeah, with with AEW on the on the horizon that, you know, it giving people reason to, to push back and to try to leave. And okay, WWE are gonna play silly beggars with you. But you know, a Luke Harper's gonna be able to leave soon. Dash and Dawson might be able to leave. Is it about a year away to be able to go? You know, uh, yeah. Yeah, Sasha Banks, yeah. You could you, you know, she she signed that contract last year, uh, and she 
she's now tied to the company for so many years, not knowing, you know, that this AEW thing was coming. But yeah, I do think, I think we're going to get more of it. I think you get more of WWE being petty. Um, but you can't predict them either. You know, Ambrose was was on his way out and he was leaving and they played so nice with him to the point where he had about 27, you know, leaving parties and they, they kept it to the point where people even now still think it's a work that he left. People still mm. think that, you know, that video that he put out, people still think that that's a, potentially something to do with WWE. I mean, WWE aren't putting that video together. One, it's got blood in it. Two, it's the most, un- he's, he's breaking out of prison. WWE aren't that self-referential. Um, you know what I mean? It's like, but it, I mean, I can understand that in some ways where people see it because they were so nice to him on the way out, and they are so inconsistent. You know, uh, uh, Ty Dillinger managed to get it, get his out of his contract, didn't he? So they're, they're very inconsistent from that point of view as well. But for me, it's yeah, it's just a, it's just nice to see it more than anything. Uh, yeah, again, WWE, the maybe it's growing up with a this WWE and this Vince WWE for the last twenty odd years or whatever it is, where it's been pretty much exactly the same for twenty years, but. You can't help but, but cheer when stuff like this happens. I've never known of a company that need an overhaul in the way that they do. Yeah. And it's such a shame that they've got these big money deals mm. because, honestly, they really do need the wake-up call that they, they had in the 90s, if anything. And it's been 20 years since their part, their last proper wake-up call, more than 20 years you, at this you, point. You'd think doing they impact have... levels on ratings, though, would be enough. You know, they're literally roaring SmackDown this last week did worse than certain impacts did in 2010. Like, that was... That was something I asked Bischoff about when I interviewed him for the, the grapple stuff last week. Like that, did you ever see that coming? That there are impact highs that are higher than what Raw and SmackDown are doing in 2019. Hopefully that's the wake up call more than anything. But imagine, I mean, quite often I wonder, and thank God we don't do this, of like what would happen if we had to review like Raw. No. Can you imagine watching I, I, Raw? I wouldn't do this. <laughs> I wouldn't be here. It's easier to just moan it's about true. them for 10 minutes. Yeah, I'd rather watch um, two hours of EastEnders Omnibus every week than three hours oh, of Raw that. every week. That's I'd have a much job. better time. Yeah, we'll do an EastEnders review at some point. <laughs> Vintage would be better. Yeah. <laughs> Is UK but Gold still a thing, Dave? I, yeah, I think it's somewhere, Davis. but I don't know if... The, do they have EastEnders on anymore? I don't know. I know that uh, drama repeats old Bill episodes because I'll occasionally see a bit of one of them on a Sunday morning and have a, have a right old time of it. <laughs> <laughs> It's, um, anyway, sorry, I don't think it's that. Right. I was going to say, before we stray too far, what did you make of that Ambrose stuff? Do you think it's uh, there was some dice in the background, people are saying AEW? Do um, you think that, that's the, the direction? Do you think that's what he's doing? Mox? To be honest with you, I've never been excited by his matches in WWE outside of Shield matches. Hmm. Um, I'm a much bigger fan of Reigns and Rollins. Rather yeah. see them on the Indies? Uh, not necessarily at this point I say I'm a big fan I was a big fan of Rollins I like Reigns the wrestler um, I think WWE have fucked Reigns yeah, yeah. <laughs> well and truly they he's a reaction though. oh yeah he's if you want to use anyone as an example of this era of WWE and their absolute ignorance then you know he's the guy you use as a case study um, but yeah, I suppose it, we'll see when Ambrose starts wrestling on the indies because, as JP said, I've never been excited for his matches. I think the last one I was excited about Dean Ambrose is when he was in The Shield. Mm. As soon as they started mm. using Dean Ambrose as a character to entertain and pop Vince, that's when I just was kind of like, ah, oh, whatever. And then maybe got a little bit into him for that match with Brock Lesnar. Then the match happened. It was like, nah, I've never been <laughs> interested in him since. Yeah. As soon as he started doing wacky stuff, you could tell that it was a character that was written around Vince's 
sense of humour. Mm. And it was just like, this is just the complete wrong approach for this bloke. This bloke needs to be presented like a sort of Terry Funk in 1989 or something. dangerous, and he was never dangerous. Mm. They just said he was dangerous, but he never actually was dangerous. He was an FCW, because I used to watch mm. bits and pieces of FCW, and his matches were good. The best Dean Ambrose match I've ever seen is his, I think it's a 35-minute Iron Man match with Seth Rollins in FCW. Mm. Really fucking, have you seen it? I haven't seen that it's one. I think the only thing I've seen with FCW was the Regal stuff. Oh, which was a fun yeah. feud for what it was. And then they did the Foley promos as well, coming into WWE, which mm-hmm. never went anywhere. So I real promising when he came in. But yeah, let's be honest. What's the great Dean Ambrose WWE match? Yeah, doesn't really exist, does it? Um, no. He was always of a certain level, wasn't he? He was over. Um, mm-hmm. You could always tell there was something there, like the, the, the brief heel runs and some of the promos, especially some of the Shield stuff. There was definitely there was glimpses of there's something you can do with this wrestler. Like, there were points where he was getting really over to the point where I was like, if you take him seriously, you could do something and then he'd be, you know, doing that hot dog angle with Seth Rollins or, you know, just being being wacky. Dean Ambrose, as you said there, JP, no, no element of, of danger. And I think he's someone who you just, it always felt like there was more there and I'd always heard the stories about there being more there. I wasn't a big John Moxley guy when he was on the indies, but this promo got me excited. It got me interested in what he might do. Mm-hmm. You know, we might be... I think a harder-edged uh, character, I think, is probably what we should probably expect from him. Um, and it'd be interesting to see uh, what he could what he could do out there. And if he's... It does feel like he, he's coming out with, with something to prove as well. Um, but again, speaks to the, the climate we're in, that someone like him can do that, can walk away from WWE and can step out and, uh, and at least uh, give it a go. Um, I mean, do you think he's going to turn out to be the new New Japan uh, knife pervert? Uh, the video <laughs> the <laughs> They had a video out today, didn't they, with a man, another man with a knife uh, sat at a bar? Yeah. Could be Ambrose. They love a nice pervert, don't they? <laughs> they do. Every every new girl, so somebody say that, every new every new gimmick now, it's like, yeah, just give him a knife. Yeah, that's fine. That'll work. Do a switchblade type gimmick. Uh, to be honest, I think it's more likely it's going to be him than Chris Brooks, which is the other rumour I've heard a lot of people saying about today. Uh, I don't know if either of you saw that promo from, from the New Japan show today. Mm-hmm. Seen it, yeah, but... Brooks. It's not Brooks, is it? It, it didn't look, look like, like Brooks. Brooks. It didn't look like Brooks. If it is yeah. Brooks, my initial reaction is, I'd see too much of that bloke and I'm bored of him. But at the same time, the other reaction is, he's got to get good sometime and New Japan would be the best oh, place for him to improve. Yeah, mm. that that would be the big thing if it, if it was him, but it just doesn't look like him and it didn't look like how he, how he should look. Mm. Um, my instant reaction, and even it's, and the British thing is somewhat more of a tenuous look as, as Strigger told me in on Twitter today he is German, but Dave Finley as a repackaged Dave Finley just because it played oh, in yeah, to the switch into stuff. stuff with Juice Robinson, and there is an element of British there, but he is very much a German wrestler. And I make that point perfectly clear. Northern Irish, yeah, he's a German citizen, as in. Oh, is, is he? I had no yeah. idea. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So he's go. Northern Irish, German slash American. Yep. Okay. Cool. I love that you know that, JP. You're the only man I know who would know that. I only read, <laughs> I read that on Wikipedia after Strigger said it. I thought, oh, I'll check this out. I was like, yeah, no, he's right. <laughs> but Bremen. He's, you know, he's from, he's from Essen. Is it, is it Essen he's from? I'm going to need to check this out right now. <laughs> I know that his if mum's so, that, that was a bleak childhood from what we've seen in Essen. <laughs> Do you reckon he went to the Essen Bookies and the, the kebab shop that we visited? <laughs> <laughs> quite possibly, Dave quite Finley's possibly. But yeah, 
If it's Brooks, I think we probably get another Tai Chi, to be honest with you. I think Brooks is best off with a tag team. But Mm. with New Japan's kind of um, strict approach to tag team wrestling, we're not going to get Brooks and Gresham teaming together, are we? Hanover. Hanover, okay. Okay, but he lives in Atlanta, apparently. Wikipedia says it must be true. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, the British flag's probably the the thing that puts off a B&M. Although it could be a red herring. It could just be a cool jacket. Oh, well, the Twitter account might put the Union Jack on it as well. Oh, did he? Right, okay. When, when he did, he sort of did the the clues. He did like the knife in, in emoji for when he had the British flag on it. So it seemed to be something they were playing into. Yeah, I've got a better guess. I'm trying to think of Rev Pro wrestlers it could possibly be. Uh, Dan McGee did some training at Shibata's Los Angeles Dojo. How happy would you be, Joe, if you were with him? Oh my! Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, there now. I'd be losing my shit if it was Bodum, but it's not going to be, is it? A proper arsehole doing proper arsehole things would be uh, quite pleasing, but yeah. it's not going to be him, is it? No, that's it. No, I like a good mystery though, where you don't know who's going to be. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, I feel like it probably should be somebody with a Rev Pro connection, but again, like say, uh, your options are limited there if it is. Uh, so yeah, maybe. Chris Ridgeway. Maybe, yes, but he's disappeared from Repro, hasn't he? Since, uh... Curtis Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> I'd enjoy that. If you could do his, uh, his full Riptide gimmick, I'd enjoy that. Dan McGee. Well, like I said, he's trained at Shibata's dojo yeah. before. I don't think it's going to be McGee. No. I, I think it, I like McGee, but I think it's too early for it to be McGee as well. Mm-hmm. But It's interesting. It's a point to look forward to, isn't it? It's, it's at Dominion it's announced, isn't it? Right, yeah, fifth of the sixth was it? Yeah. So they revealed, yeah. So we got a month, yeah, yeah. So Dominion, exciting times, eh? Yeah, yeah interesting. Um, moving on then. Before we were going to talk about what we've uh, been watching this this last week, I wanted to just uh, introduce something that we've uh, been talking about doing. We've uh, on Grapple, uh, Gareth has been uh, putting out the top matches uh, for each given month. Uh, I was going to run it by you, see what what you thought. He put out the uh, the top matches of the month for March. Uh, he put out in number five was Phoenix versus Walter. Number four was David Starr versus Walter. Walter again. Number three was Okada versus Ishii. Number two was Devil and Walter. And number one was Swords of Essex, Aussie Open. Uh, would you have guessed that? That, that was the, the top five matches on Grapple this last month. God, March was good, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a bit, wasn't it? It was, a, it was a reminder for me, to be honest. So much has happened like since uh, that that was out there. Yeah, the, uh, the number one match, uh, the Swords of Essex, Aussie Open match. Uh, the, do you see that today, Joe? I did. I watched four, it today. Finally got round to it. Four on grapple. Uh, I don't know if you went uh, went any closer to that. I went four and a quarter. Uh, personally, mm. I, I thought it was really good. Um, some really inventive spots in there. It was like watching the ballroom of old. Mm. It's like a trip down memory lane in many ways. Um, but at the same time, I thought it was a bit too long, and I thought there were too many setup spots in there, which mm. I wasn't necessarily bored, but it was just too long, if anything, and could have been condensed into 25 minutes and been just as good, if not better. But I thought it was a really good dynamic between the two sides. I thought Paul Robinson was awesome at points. There were some sick bumps as well that Robinson took. Osprey doing that a week out from WrestleMania weekend as well was just an absolute nutter. Um, why he was doing some of the stuff he was doing, I don't know when he's got that New Japan contract. But you know what? 
fair play to him. He can get a great match out of Jeff Cobb at Madison Square Garden a week after he has a ridiculous TLC match in front of 700 people. So, yeah, really fun match. I wouldn't go with it as my number one for March. Um, mm. I'd probably go with something probably from WXW, probably mm. Lucky Kid Walter or Jordan Devlin Walter from OTT that month. But oh, uh, Kada Ishii as well was great that month, I thought. So, mm. yeah, a really fun really fun month with the uh, new japan cup as well so yeah a lot of competition yeah definitely like for me i mean i've I saw people talking about devil and walter as like the match of the year kind of a, a contender for this year so far i wouldn't have gone maybe that far but i think it probably is my fa- probably my favorite match from march i think the I th- I, 16 carat there's a lot of competition there but it all kind of I don't know, nothing really stands out. A lot of the Walter stuff, like you say, the Star match and the Phoenix match being two that did make the the top five. Uh, the final as well, like you say, the Lucky Kid match are, are potential ones as well. Um, but nothing really like stands out head and shoulders above. Was there anything for you, JP, that was uh, not there or was there that, that surprised you as far as the other top rated matches for, for that last month? Well, I think the top rated match I had for that month was Devlin Walter. Mm. Uh, at, at four and a half, and I think it also had Phoenix Walter at four and a half as well. So I was kind of okay with that list. I think one of the things it shows is just the amount of quality wrestling that's out there and that's available. It, it's it's something that we always say, and it's staying the bleeding obvious, but it really is. Um, you look there at, at sort of we've got what um, four different promotions in there. We've got sort of story-driven matches, stunt-filled match, sort of strong-style match. You, you know, you've got Phoenix in there doing all sorts of wild stuff with Walter. It, it, this kind of level of diversity that's out there. And then you add in April, and there's, you know, God knows what there's going to be in May as well. It's, mm. it's really it's hard to keep up with it all. Mm. Yeah, I'm just having a look... Sorry, just having a look at my list, and my number one for March was actually Will Ospreay... Oh, no, it wasn't. It was Akada versus Ishii, followed by Osprey versus JY from the New Japan Anniversary show, which is a match that has kind of been forgotten, but with a heavy march like that, Jesus. And you've been a big JY Jay White fan. I'm surprised you forgot. Mate, I'm a fan of any match with Osprey and another person. Like, <laughs> you could wrestle with you, and it'll probably be in my top five of the year. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but sometimes I, I see Osprey, and I think that's it's one of them. It's one of them great <laughs> matches. <laughs> Indeed, uh, yeah, and I, I kind of, I've, I've tried to look for, for me for March, and yeah, I think it's hard to kind of, it's like that, that New Japan Cup, the fact that, that that happened, it's like, it's a complete blur to me now, like, it, it's not been that long, and it just speaks, like you say, to the, to the glut uh, of the amount of stuff that's out there to watch and race, uh, but that's why Grapple's useful, it can point out the, uh, the matches that, that maybe you haven't thought of. Uh, the other thing Gareth posted on there as well, he posted the the sleeper matches from from this last year, uh, from the from sorry from uh, January all the way through to March. So so far this year uh, of matches people might not have seen. It was the ten base match best matches rated by fifty people or less. Um, and Kento Miyahara versus Kai from All Japan's New Year's Wars apparently got a four point four eight. Uh, that's on there as the first. There's another Kento Miyahara uh, versus Nomura as the second match. Lots of All Japan. Uh, Bandido Jeff Cobb from PWG's in there. Vite Muller versus Walter uh, is in there. I really enjoyed that. You saw that as well, didn't you, JP? Uh, Devil and Strickland from OTT. Uh, I completely forgotten about that from from February, uh, but I did. I yeah. gave that four stars myself. Uh, and Thatcher versus Ishikawa uh, from that ambition weekend is uh, is in there too. Some uh, some notable ones in there that maybe I uh, might have uh, slipped through the cracks. 
Yeah, some really good matches in there as well. Good to see Mia Har again, some representation. Uh, been watching a lot of Champions Carnival as well, and Mia Har, is, other than my man Joel Redman, uh, <laughs> has definitely been the standout performer throughout Champions Carnival. Uh, mm. Some absolutely amazing performances by him. He got Jake Lee to a decent match in the final, and I can't say I'm any Jake Lee fan, although JP disagrees with me on Jake Lee. Um, so maybe he'll plead his case in a second. But Mia Hara's just had an absolutely incredible tournament. And if anyone's going to watch anything from Champions Carnival, just watch Mia Hara, basically, because he's been the man throughout that tournament. Is that just yeah, what you've been doing, just picking and choosing uh, those matches? I've not seen a minute of it. Um uh, Mate, I'm not going to watch full single cam shows in front of like <laughs> in front of like community halls. A lot of the place me and JP saw Welsh wrestling last week, that's for sure. But yeah, I picked and choose matches that I see people recommending. Um, looking at some good reviews by the likes of Arn Furious, the guys at Voices of Wrestling as well. And yeah, the Miyahara matches and the Redmond matches have been my uh, matches of choice for the most part. Um, and yeah, Miyahara's had a stellar tournament and I'm going to go back and watch some of the stuff that he's done that I've missed this year because he's a wrestler that's at the top of his game at the moment i've always liked him but mm. he seems like he's really gone into overdrive this year um you probably had the comparison all, all the time but he really is just another kind of version of like tanahashi he's kind of new all japan's version of what tanahashi was i think kind of in the sort of 2007 2008 era when tanahashi was kind of leading that company and having the best matches in that company at that point for a good few year period while growing as a wrestler and yeah i'm looking forward to seeing more miyahara this year because he is like i say at top of his game at the moment good stuff well yeah the uh the users yeah. of grapple definitely uh seem to agree with you there so yeah um you've been watching as well have you jp I have, I have, and it's interesting. When I saw the sleepers, I was like, "Oh my god!" I never got round to watching that Miyahara Nomura match that apparently was great. Mm. So it's kind of, I think that's the way I'm going to end up using the uh, a list like the sleepers list is just to think of, oh yeah, catch up on that. Interesting to see a couple of Evolve shows in there. I don't know when I'll get round to ever seeing those, <laughs> if ever. Um, but yeah, I've been watching um, the Champions Carnival. Managed to finish it off. I mean, Joe mentions about about Jake Lee, and I can kind of understand why. Having seen a couple of Jake Lee matches, um, he he seems like he's he, he somewhat doesn't have any charisma mm. whatsoever. Um, it's also strange in terms of his style. Is it? It's kind of no, neither. It's it's neither sort of entirely strike based or grappling based. I'm kind of still. I haven't seen that much of him, so I'm still trying to kind of get used to him as much as anything else. I did see him in two good matches. I saw him in the what was effectively the kind of playoff against Nomura the night before the final. And I thought that was really good. I really enjoyed it because both of them had just had really grueling matches and came out. So he already had drama and the crowd were kind of invested um, and got round to seeing the final on the final day and really liked the final. Was mm. was very high in it. I think I, I think I went about for like four point two five on it. Yeah, I think I went four stars on it. Mm. But I think Miyahara's performances yes. are performances that are probably above a four star level. But I think one of the problems with All Japan is I think what condition he would have been in by that yeah, point. Well, as well, there's yeah. that. But also, I think with All Japan, he doesn't have the level of competition that you've got in say in New Japan to work with. And I think uh, he's far and ahead of most of the guys in that company. I think someone like an Ishikawa, someone like an Okabayashi great opponents mm. but then there are a lot of other guys there that just aren't at his level and he's getting them to good matches but 
there was a clear difference in terms of ability when you were watching Jake Lee. And you could tell that I thought at points Miara was definitely leading him through the match. Mm-hmm. And his kind of charisma, his energy, his ability to sell and kind of got them into that finishing stretch that was really hot and where the match really peaked. So, yeah, Miyahara is a fantastic wrestler. Um, changes of pace during his match as well. Absolutely spot on. There are points on. where he just sort of seems to be like a bullet. He yeah. just dives around, and then it all gets to the point where he's selling again, and it's it's very Tanahashi-like, the selling, isn't it? <laughs> um, but it's it's all the more fun for it. What, what I would say, and I can't proclaim to be a pure expert there are those out there who who watch this on the reg who know a lot more about it than me but what it seems to me they're doing is they effectively feel they need to establish miyahara as a legend and this is part of that very long slow build process and in the meantime they've got veterans and younger guys coming up against him while they're kind of trying to see who's going to be able to join him as perhaps that career rival of the younger ones who are out there, Nomura looks like the more like most likely one um, who would be that candidate above, say, Jake Lee. I think there's just sort of more fire with him, and there's much more there. Um, you've got your Sawamas and your Ishikawas who are all very fine, but I think at the moment it's very much Project Miyahara. And you know what? I don't think that's a bad way to go. It's almost reminiscent of when New Japan were in that rebuilding phase after sort of Yukes and the rest of it, and uh, he wouldn't have been afterwards, but they pushed Tanahashi to the top and effectively it was him and Nakamura, even though part of that graduating class was a way behind in terms of charisma and being a draw. So the idea was to establish Tanahashi first and then the others sort of come up around that and a rising tide lifts all ships. And I think they're trying to do the same thing here with Miyahara. Fair enough. Well, you have didn't to fall asleep there, did you, Ben? I'm, st- I'm still here. <laughs> <yes. laughs> no, I haven't seen any of it, but I, I will take your recommendation very seriously, JP, and uh, I definitely Damn right, check that out. Yeah, definitely. I definitely at least want to see the final. Uh, that's something I've got uh, got listed on my my stuff to watch this weekend. But there's a whole host of uh, of other stuff we've been watching as well. Uh, do you want to get into that stuff? Sure thing. <laughs> yeah, let's do it then. Uh, I mean, briefly, while you guys are watching All Japan, uh, I was watching some MLW. Uh, it's kind of become like a, a weekly tradition now talking the MLW TV. We talk kind of the building. It really to, is, isn't it? Yeah, we yeah. talked the building to this big show, didn't we, that they, they had coming up. So we might as well talk the payoff there, big. Hot uh, Foundation versus the Dynasty Feud. Uh, have you caught up on all of it yet, JP? Not yet. There's the last two weeks I do need to catch up on. Mm. Oh, it's been great. Oh, genuinely great. But been, um, what I've seen of it in the build-up to that has been fantastic. And they got Teddy Hart arrested. Oh yeah, the, the yeah. angles they're doing with Teddy Hart are just brilliant. Like Teddy Hart is like he's a, he's the original meme wrestler, isn't he? He's like as far as indie wrestling goes, he's I suppose if you're going to say throw legend around, I think he's up there. But yeah, the angles they're doing with uh, the hearts and. Uh, ruining the uh, the dynasty's uh, car, which we were talking about on the, on the show before last, uh, that kind of led to them doing uh, this big tables match on, on this show this week. I love the Hearts music as well. Uh, you might hear that a bit of that on this episode. Teddy Hart with his cat is always fun, uh, but yeah, it was great. They, they kind of had a, a show long angle with uh, Brian Pillman Jr. getting taken out uh, earlier on in the show, leading up to like this big six man uh, war that tables match. Uh, it was great though. It was kind of very much a spot fest. Uh, lots of, despite the fact Brian Pillman Jr. wasn't there, uh, Davy Boy Jr. and Teddy Hart kind of took a, a very long shine anyway, hitting all their big moves because it's Teddy Hart and he's going to do that. He's just going to moonsault off stuff. You, you're not going to be able to stop him. 
uh, and then it was kind of like a a series of like of long heat uh, from the dynasty side i really i love uh, mjf mjf's great but that uh, alex hammerstone who's kind of the muscle of the group and rich holiday who's kind of just like a we talked about before like a preppy in a suit uh he's really good as well uh great match worth seeing people have probably seen the gif of teddy hart hitting the uh he did the doomsday destroyer again but this time he did it off alex hammerstone's shoulders who was uh on the ring post in the corner and he looks so happy with himself like so it's like it's the canadian destroyer but from like a doomsday device and it looked there was so much margin for error it was almost like the crowd were cheering one because they were happy it happened but mainly too because they were just couldn't believe that yeah it, it didn't go wrong uh and Teddy Hart looked absolutely relieved as well uh it was a weird one because it was it was a tables match but there was only one big table bump which was the finish of it which was a, a power bump to Pillman in the corner but a lot of fun and yeah these uh if people aren't watching them these are these MLW TVs are, uh, are just uh, well worthwhile as an hour I almost feel like they came along a little bit too late MLW they're getting lost a little bit in the conversation with so much other stuff going on uh, but it is it's a it's just a great little watch from week to week or even just something to watch as a as a block and catch up on you're right three four years ago five years ago i would have been watching this every week but yeah there's just too much now unfortunately and i'd like to watch it but where i'll be able to fit it in i just i don't know at this point yeah that's i've enjoyed watching it for, for when i've had a chance to watch it because it's been so easy like you say mm. And it moves at such a pace, the show, that you, you're never bored at any stage. The angles work well, and they don't overstay their welcome, generally, Like in and the skits that they do. Teddy Hart, mm. <laughs> one of the things about him is is when he's on it, when he's on, he's really on. I mean, he hits an absolutely lovely moonsault, as you two can remember from, what was that cage match he did it in, famously in Ring of Oh, Lord? yeah, where he just starts going, yeah, starts yeah. going mad. I mean, when he hits this stuff, like, he looks incredible at it. I mean, don't get me wrong, he has some shockers from time to time. But it seems fantastic that in 2019 that Teddy Hart is finally sort of getting over. But as he getting over in that kind of much bigger way, I mean, he should be a big part of GCW, really, next WrestleMania. He'd be perfect for that. Mm. I was, I was going to say that you mentioned that he kind of gets lost in the shuffle. One of the things that in most, I think between it, that an impact they feel i don't know i got the feeling when watching the last sort of impact pay-per-view that the two kind of it felt too similar mm, that yeah. there isn't enough sort of variance between the two and that's something for me where it kind like of gets somewhat ace austin being on both shows that type of thing penta and phoenix yep. being over both yep but it's it, it, it's almost i mean the production values feel very similar as well yeah mm. the type of crowds they draw the vent like Impact ran the Melrose Ballroom, didn't they, for what their pay-per-view in like October last year as well. Mm-hmm. They're using similar venues, similar wrestlers. There's a similar approach, I think, generally. A lot of Hispanic talent as well, maybe trying to get that audience. You almost feel like there's not space in the market for both of them at this point in time. Um, it would, they should work with each other if that's at all possible. <clears throat> I think they could do a lot worse. Well, it seems like they've got pretty good relations considering yeah, they're allowed themselves to... Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, the best way, I think, in 2019. Viewing everyone as an enemy and a rival and competition is just, you know, pathetic and the worst way to actually do business, I think, at this point in time. Um, but, yeah, I think if there was one of those promotions that just existed mm-hmm. and maybe they merged into one another, I'd be more willing to actually give one of them a go each week. But I, I just can't see it happening somehow. 
yeah yeah it's tough it is it's a it's a it's a good problem to have you know but it, it is uh, there's just there's so much competition for your, for your time isn't it uh, that's kind of the the big issue here but yeah uh, i would say you know people if you, if you do <laughs> you, you've got an unlimited supply of time do watch mlw show it is on tv over here now it is on youtube uh it's been a lot of fun jim Cornette on commentary is out of the whole lot he's been fantastic uh he's just it reminded what a what a good color commentator can do for a product like just in in selling the characters you know even people he clearly doesn't like you know he's not a fan of teddy Hart, but he's putting it over he's you know putting over the the story that's being told in the ring there are times where he slips into you know just can't help himself having a go at like a sammy callahan or somebody like that but it always feels like it's part of the product for the most part uh and he has had a lot um he was on that um the uh the crocker cup as well wasn't he called and he was making a bit of a, a comeback as far as uh as commentary goes and he did a great job there as well. And mm. talking about a product that, you know, he's putting up a wrestler that he doesn't necessarily like. I think the presentation of this was something Jim Cornette would have absolutely loved. This was right up his street. Uh, I thought this was a really fun show, what I saw of it. I didn't watch all of it. I flicked through parts of it. I chose matches carefully from it that, you know, again, limited supply of time. So watched the matches that I was most interested in. And Cornette, I thought, was one of the absolute best things about the show. He kind of consistently not carries the show but he's that constant voice that you trust when you're watching the mm. show and it's just like little nuggets of commentary and like his philosophy on wrestling that sort of comes through at different times as well like he thinks about wrestling very much from a sort of tactical sporting point of view at points and it's that that i love because it gives it that extra bit of legitimacy and respect and if there's anyone who has respect for wrestling it's it's absolutely jim Cornette. like i'm sure jim Cornette hated sammy callahan using lego uh, <laughs> in a death match Whereas here, I'm sure he was absolutely delighted to see blood being used in a really effective and emotional way to make something seem more important. And God, did he put that over. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed what I saw this show. I don't know what you... Did you guys both catch this? Yeah, I, I saw the... I've seen most of the show. I've seen the main events. That's the biggest like kind of recommendation I've had for people. I kind of... I had the show. It was just a nice show to just sit and have on. Like as a, like I said, the old school setup, the... The fact that Cornette's out there added so much to the presentation, but just the fact that they had like the it looked like the proper NWA ring, the the blue and yellow. The, oh, I love that. Me mm. and you, Joe, must have, we, I'm sure you were loving the the old ROH logos that they had there, just as an added uh, yeah. retro effect. Bit weird because it doesn't really fit the yeah. NWA aesthetic. I love that logo. Not a fan. I like the logo, and it reminded me of good times. But then I was watching the old school Ring of Honor logo, right, with current <laughs> Ring of Honor. Yeah. So it's like this horrible juxtaposition of two things that I like to pretend don't exist under the same banner. Mm. And then I was basically slapped around the face and told that they do do exist under the same company, which is massively unfortunate because current Ring of Honor sucks. And <laughs> old Ring of Honor was great, obviously. It, but on on this night, yeah. it wasn't kind of – there wasn't too much old Ring of Honor. Well, no. Sorry, too much ring of honor generally and i thought that like the mix of different styles and wrestlers from different backgrounds different companies mm. kind of clicked yeah that's it i think that's it, it shouldn't have worked but it did 
Um, I mean, I mean, similar to you know, I thought you were about you know similar to the the New Japan Ring of Honor show. Like uh, I would say, the NWA elements were the stuff I preferred more out of this. You know, I preferred them. Having, yeah, same. You know, having Tommy Young out there doing the intro to the main event, uh, mm. and and again, all of the kind of the 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 NWA presentation, the way the commentators were set out, the way the the ring was set out, the way the arena was set out. Uh, but it wasn't to me. It wasn't noticeably. You know, there wasn't you didn't beat your overhead with the ROH stuff, which I kind of appreciated. Yeah, I really like the um, entranceway as well. Hmm. And it didn't feel like it was a Ring of Honor entranceway, which quite frankly looks shite. And I think looks lost in 2019. Like the M- MSG graphics they used were terrible. Hmm. Um, but then again, what did they do well at MSG? But here I liked how it was NWA presentation. Those banners of Marty and Nick Aldis on oh, gave that main event such such importance. I love the fact that they had the tag belts and also the cups set up by the entrance when you could see it for the whole show with the graphic as well yeah so it was you like they got the inspiration from that from. no so they got the inspiration for the graphic from karate kids okay they had the graphic in that oh, and yeah, the banners yeah. was something from rocky um oh David yeah Donald put up on there and it was like sort of meant to be obviously very 1980s influenced but they did it in such a really good credible way ah oh, but it gives like a sense of importance mm. to the main event and to the trophy and the tournament mm. in general like it's it's subtle but effective the fact that it's kind of in the kind of background constantly you know it's 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 great it's a really good approach to make something seem valuable think about say wwe we've ranted about and nothing seems valuable in wwe this is a random tournament that's been resurrected after 32 years mm-hmm. but it felt so much more important than title belts that mm-hmm. we see on tv every week like just little things like that little touches i just love and fair play to them for actually thinking about sort of psychologically how to get something over in that regard mm. the tournament felt important and Alderson scale couldn't have felt more important. Like that felt oh, yeah. similar to, I mean, I, I was watching the main event thinking, you know, all in, big part of that all in story was doing the Alder stuff and doing the NWA title match with Cody. I actually think Double O Nothing's going to be missing something, not having a match like this. I know you can't get scale, so, you know, but in, a, in an alternate dimension, if you could have transported this match and popped it on uh, the, the AEW show, I think it would have been a perfect fit because they did the same thing they did with All In. They made it feel important. Like, I shouldn't care mm. about Nick Aldis against Marty Scale, but the videos that they put together, the stuff talking about the friendship going over the years, uh, the angles they did leading up, and just the, I don't know, just the this old-fashioned storytelling they did with it made me care about Nick Alderson and Marty Scale, and the, you know, the, the work in the match was, was certainly great as well. Got a bit of blood, which felt a uh, very old-school NWA as well, and it just felt like a. Not maybe maybe grudge matches too far, but an old school battle um, and a great main event story that they told and a, a match that you know we just talked before about there being so much wrestling content out there, but it was a match and a presentation that I think is going to stick out to me when I'm when I'm thinking about you know the best things of the year uh, come the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this wasn't as far as matches go, and it, it followed in that retro theme. It felt like a. a a 1980s NWA main event with a champion who's all about credibility, mm. which would have seemed odd to us for a while to say back that <coughs> Nick Aldis, NWA champion, <laughs> is yeah. has credibility to it. But by God, the job he's done, you can't fault him for it. I mean, he throws his all into these matches and they do feel like somewhat of kind of special events. Like mm. he's been, been built up in that way. 
obviously there's a long way to go. There's talk about them having a, a weekly sort of YouTube TV series. It, why not if they can do it? They looked like there was a decent crowd. It was over a thousand. So, you know, people were definitely into it. And I think he's done a really great job whenever he's done commentary. Mm. Whenever I've heard him on commentary, he's always done very well because it's it, it's kind of obviously getting himself over, getting the title over, but also he, he gets the matches and he doesn't forget about the match that's going on in the ring. It's not just like he's cutting promos. He carries himself like a Harley race would have carried themselves with the title. And that works. I think it's also part of the reason why, why like absolute Andy is champion in WXW. It kind of gives me the same kind of vibe, mm. but yeah, the way they present it and the match itself had all the kind of requisite, you know, some good bells and whistles to kind of get through some of the stages in the match. Like I thought the Marty spot where he pretended he was tripped in order to get oh, rid of great. in order to get rid of Camille. That was great. But they didn't overdo the smoke and mirrors, bells and whistles mm. stuff. I didn't think. No. I thought there was a little well. there was a little bit of it there, but it wasn't overkill. They weren't cutting corners mm. with it. And it helped get the story across. Mm. There were some really great moments throughout the match, I thought as well, that kind of paid homage to that old school heavyweight title sort of match so like when they were in the figure four spot in the middle of the ring mm. it was like that was like 1980s all over again if there was a spot that was you know more of a homage i'd like you to find it throughout the show because i don't think there was that was great and it felt like uh, it's sort of a match that you might see between like a tully blanchard and a magnum ta or something mm. and fair play to nick oldis he's someone who's really gone up in my estimation over the last year or so like he has shown that he's got a real brain for the business and for mm. presentation and how to actually, and this is going to sound old school, act like a champion and put yourself across like a proper champion. And as much as I like Kofi Kingston, he's there tossing pancakes or the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got Nick Aldis doing this. And it feels to me like this old school approach is far more appropriate and it's working for the audience on the night because this was massively over the thing i also found really unique about it right is i love the build-up those packages throughout the show were really cool really nicely put together told a story about the two guys it was nice seeing marty being marty and not being the villain and mm. doing his being the elite stuff in those packages as well but you've got this nw like nwa show right this kind of like postmodern show right you've got these two guys competing for the belt in north carolina and nwa show and they're from cambridge and king's lynn yeah that was a bit weird but it didn't seem like any kind of issue like stereotypically you'd think it would have to be a guy from like the carolinas or somewhere or mm. at least one guy from down south but no they were perfectly fine with it being two english guys in there doing their thing until you said it i didn't even think about it like that's the first time it's occurred to me oh yeah mm. this is basically a brit res match and maybe it's the fact that i don't count Magnus as well. I didn't realise he went so far back with Marty. Like, I think, I, I, obviously, you know, having the, the Gladiators tie-in and stuff was kind of my first acknowledgement of Aldous. But the fact that he went pretty immediately abroad and he spent a lot of time in Impact, maybe it's that I don't think him as a Brit Risk guy all in all. But, yeah, you know what? They didn't beat you over the head with the fact that it was two UK guys. No, they didn't. And it's amazing because it was a story that was entirely kind of rooted in the UK, if mm. anything, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that Aldis trained in Pompey, 
lived in Pompey um, for a while. I know he was there while he was on Gladiators as well. So mm. I don't know if they lived together at any point, but they were certainly around each other a lot during those years, if anything. So it's probably where this kind of roots of their relationship kind of begun, if anything. And it, you could tell this meant a lot to both of them to do this match mm. on this stage in America. And it almost felt like it was that kind of, we've both made it. We've both done really well for ourselves. Mm. Here we are in North Carolina of all places competing for the NWA title mm. I imagine when they're thinking back to I don't know the Bogner Regis or <laughs> Bun Leisure or whatever that they probably worked together on and being here was probably a surreal thought if anything but yeah really really fun show and one of the strongest main events I've seen outside of New Japan this year I'd say yeah I think that's so I didn't surprise it's coming from an NWA um but yeah, uh, again, speaks to kind of the noise that's out there right now that despite the fact that, you know, this was a great main event and a great show, I find it hard to be dead excited about NWA going forward. I mean, uh, I'm sure they can put something else creative together with Aldous, uh, but you know, how they, they continue, they've done a great job, haven't they, so far of getting eyes on them and standing out and doing something different, but I don't know. Was there other other things on the show, JP, that stood out that made you think, "Oh, I'm going to go. I do need to go back and, uh, and keep following NWA." Because really, is it a promotion or is it Nick Aldis, you know, uh, him smashing pumpkins uh, from Billy Corgan and and uh, what's his name, Dave Lagana? Is it, it's basically just the three of them, isn't it? More than than a, than a total promotion, but they're, they're certainly putting the pieces together in, in to, to do something. It's a belt and an archive with people who understand media behind it mm. and Aldous is the champion effectively <laughs> um it, it's it's interesting because obviously there are lots of people who you don't know whether or not is there an nwa roster i mean they really needed the ring of honor part of it what i fear that's on the nwa ro- roster <clears throat> and i wouldn't advise watching is royce isaacs and tom latimer <laughs> aka bram who oh, are on this show a lot bram <laughs> is still shit four, four <laughs> matches they're involved in God. Yeah, like, I watched one of them just to check that Bram was still crap and Bram <laughs> is still shite. Um, I, his look as well. What the fuck was he wearing? It was like some pseudo Raven tribute that he hadn't sort of fully gone for, but kind of a bit of a crossover with um, uh, what's his name, Bron from Game of Thrones to some extent. <laughs> I thought, but I don't know. Perhaps he's a big Robson and Jerome fan or something. But <laughs> I, absolute shite. Don't watch Bram. I would say if you're going to watch any match on the undercard, the one to watch is the Briscoes versus the Rock and Roll Express. Oh yeah. Like, did you watch that one, Benno? I didn't see it. No, I've seen the gifts. I haven't seen the oh. match. Um, Get back and watch that because Ricky Morton's promo as well is fantastic. Some cracking lines from his promo. What was it? Uh, a hot cup of soup and a good night's sleep and you do it all again tomorrow. It's like, okay. I've not <laughs> thought about having a hot cup of soup before bed, but that's part of your evening routine, Ricky. And, you know, you're not doing crack like Marty Jannetty is before bed every night. Good on you. <laughs> <laughs> um it was just a Rock and Roll Express formula match in 2019, basically. No right to be as much fun as it was. No, but it, it was great. Like, the Briscoes were a great badass act in a Rock and Roll Express match. And some of the stuff Ricky Morton was doing, that that tope that he did, yeah. the rocket launcher, it all still looked kind of good for a bloke who's in his 60s. Like, 
this was a fun match. Good bit of blood once again as well oh, yeah. that kind of added to the emotion of the whole thing. Got the Briscoes over as a couple of arse kickers. Jay Briscoe cut a good promo on Cornette at the beginning. It was a top match. I've, I've really enjoyed this. It made them the big heels of the night. Are they on the cusp of another run? It feels like it. I think there's one last nostalgia run in there. <laughs> well, they've had two cracking tag matches in the last yeah. month. Like, mm. I love that LAX match they had as well on the Janela show. So, you know, Ricky Morton can still sell his arse off. Like, there's obviously an appeal in seeing a 62-year-old man do a hurricane rana that makes you go, what the fuck? Mm. And that can probably only get over so many times. Mm. So, I think on these shows, you can't overexpose them, obviously. But there are still things you could do with them in sort of limited positions if you want to do it and tell that story and yeah they can still tell that story really effectively and the crowd were into this as well it was mm. kind of the second hottest i'd say the crowd were for the entire night outside of the main event if anything cool well yeah they're definitely high recommendation for that definitely uh keeping an eye out for whatever the the rock and rolls they do next uh, on the indies but uh but anyway uh, what else have, uh, have you two guys uh, been watching this week well, we mentioned it somewhat before. Um, we did see Impact Rebellion, mm. um, which I managed to see last week. Uh, is that, did you manage to see that, Benno? I did, yes. I watched that today. Uh, I, I've got to be honest, I absolutely... I don't know. I was wondering what you were going to say about the main event, but I absolutely loved it. The uh, TLC match. Yeah. Essentially, TLC match with with the uh, with the LAX against the, the Lucha Brothers. Yeah. Uh, I was raving about their match in Manchester. Uh, this was another level of that. Absolute carnage. Did you see it as well, Joe? Like, absolute Yeah, yeah, I watched it yesterday. Oh. Yeah, I watched it last night. Absolute carnage. Oh. Like, for me, that's it took everything I wanted out of the match, everything I wanted out of a main event. And yeah, overall, a, a really, really fun show. Yeah, I flicked through, through it, and this was definitely the highlight match of the highlight matches, if anything. Some really creative spots are there as well. Like, the... Oh, Boy, the fuck is that? Ah, oh, oh. sorry, an advert with a horse. Ah, oh, can you get that off? What's this? Oh, I'm really scared of horses. Horses' teeth for this advert just come up on the screen with this horse and massive teeth. It's got to be a story like to bother you with those half-breed horse humans. Have you seen that film? No. Have you seen it, Beto? Never seen it. No, I didn't know it was a thing. Ah. Oh. Oh, it scared the shit out of me, that did. Is that where the fear comes from? I don't know. The fear's really irrational, but I'm just shit scared of horses. They're <laughs> big bastards with tiny brains. I don't know what the fuck they're doing half the time. Oh, am I going to have to make the show image a horse now? Like, I think that's the only... Oh, nah. <sighs> My lovely horse. Oh, I'm going to start getting trolled with fucking horses now, aren't I? <laughs> are, there any, are there any wrestling horses? There's, I suppose there's Pepe, who Chavo Guerrero used to hang... Was that a pony, though? The, the, technically, uh, that he had on the stick. Mantor is a what? What is mantor? Mm. Oh, that's like a kind of bull. <laughs> yeah. Bull Jeff Jarrett came out. They go all roads lead to Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett came out on a horse once. Oh. Were you not a fan of that, Joe? I'd be a fan of him at Tranmere Rovers coming out on a horse. I could probably just about muster that one. I <laughs> fucking hate horses. During like westerns, oh. I have to like sometimes cover the screen of like part of my hand. Wow. I put it in front. Of to cover the horses up if there's like close ups on them and stuff. Like, um, you won't any of this coming at all. You won't see me watching Sea Biscuit or War Horse or Black Beauty. Fuck that. I just listened to the soundtrack, like Lynn and Alan Partridge. (laughs) Um, 
Ah, fucking hate horses. How do you feel about the Grand Stop. National every year? You don't, you're not a fan of horse racing? Uh, I ain't watching that shite. I can't stand it. Oh, I, I can't think of anything more boring than watching horses run around the field and listen to John McKirrick <laughs> give <laughs> punditry on horses. It used to, when it used to come on on Channel 4 on a Saturday afternoon, I was just counting the minutes till final <laughs> score was coming on. I just want Andy Quilden to book someone who comes in off a horse. Oh. I don't know how you work it into the May 10th show at York Hall just to see your reaction. Oh. That's all I'd want to see somehow. And there's loads of horses around here in Oxfordshire, isn't there? Wow. I failed my first fucking driving test because of a horse as well. <laughs> I was driving past one on some A-road I'd never been on before. There's been this weird route, you know, like Garsington and Ho- oh, Horse yeah. Path, the name of the place as well. And there's horses on the other side of the road. And I was like, I was doing the speed limit. I was doing 30. And I was like, oh, all right, whatever. Looked away from the horse. I just was like, do not look at that fucking horse. Do not look at that fucking horse. Didn't look at it. Coming along the road. One, I got two minors and one major. And the one major was I didn't slow down for the fucking horse. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't yeah. expect this, this, this podcast to go on the start. I was thinking maybe we're being a too, bit too serious this week, guys. Yeah. Uh, horses are you leaving this in it's oh. all staying mate. <laughs> oh, fuck it oh, i'm surprised you turned into a fan of only fools and horses to be honest uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah maybe i like a metaphorical horse but yeah a, a real horse nah fuck off <laughs> you never see me what riding do you think a about horse owls? do you like owls they're inoffensive there's impact obviously they have owls there <laughs> there he is Working his way back round. So you got to be impressed with that, haven't you? That was good. Yeah, that was good. Fun show, though. Good main event. Good semi-main event. I enjoyed it. Oh, there's no horses in that. Did we finish talking about the actual main event? I can't even remember. (laughs) I'm going to do them justice because they did kill themselves for our entertainment. It was proper, like, it was like when you book a match in TW, you can give it the agent note of car crash, and that's what this was. Just lots and lots of moves, big moments with double downs. Big dives. Yeah, uh, I absolutely loved it. I did. I would say I think I'm at a point where I might be on burnout seeing LAX and Lucha Brothers. Like, in some ways, the next time I want to see Lucha Brothers is double or nothing. Mm. I kind of don't want to see it. And that's just because of all of the various wrestling. They're in all these promotions. I mean... Mm. They still have the issue with Lucha Underground, inexplicably. Yeah, they've gone heavy on the feud this year as well, haven't they? They've had a lot of matches. Uh, didn't they have one in Fight Club Pro the other week as yeah, well? Yeah, they did in Manchester, was... yeah. That's the one I was at. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, you said at the beginning, sorry. Um, yeah, there was the some show, great man. stuff in this, though. I think of their matches I've seen, this was the one I enjoyed the most. Mm. Um, mostly because, of the, like you said, the car crash nature and some of the stunts. I love the uh, Spanish fly. Oh. But they did off, off like onto the floor. That was oh, that was scary. Yeah. moving off the table and so. yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Phoenix has got like the balance that man's got. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Like he's just oh, he's so good. The one thing I was disappointed about this show is your new mate Rob Van Dam had a new long term deal with Impact, but he went on here because he was t- he was talking to you that night, Ben. <laughs> he's busy. I believe it's a reduced date deal. Uh, that's an exclusive I can post here. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they announced him for the uh, the TV coming up. He's doing a match with Tommy Dreamer. I mean, I loved Rob Van Dam, but I don't think I need to see that again. Uh, yeah, Bob Van Dam's my boy, but I don't want to see him in Tommy Dreamer. 
I suppose you've got the best that the best that Rob Van Dam can give at this age, if anything. So you know, <laughs> it's probably peaked for you. A match that I did enjoy on this, I got to say, was Tessa Blanchard and uh, Gail Kim. Yeah. Mm. I thought uh, Tessa Blanchard. I just don't get why WWE just wouldn't be interested in her. Like. I think outside of WWE, she's the best female wrestler. Uh, this is disc- discounting um, Jap- Jap- Japanese promotions, obviously. But, I mean, as any female wrestler out there isn't WWE is as good as her. Mm. Um, I think in terms of being consistent in terms of character and being aggressive, like she's got a real aggression that I've not mm. seen any other female wrestler bring to the table. It's absolutely consistent throughout the entire match in terms of her character and in terms of what her motivation is. And I thought she was really, really good in this match. Like why WWE have no interest in her, it just absolutely baffles me mm. um, because I think she'd be an amazing addition to that roster. Uh, the women in WWE are the thing that interests me on the main roster or anything at the moment. And her up against a Charlotte, surely there's a match there with Rick Flair oh. and Tully Blanchard as well, right? Yeah. It just seems like a no-brainer. Well, but... he was ringside at this, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I thought it was really well done, really well put together. Um, there were moments in it as well where I was really impressed with just how focused they both were as well. Like Tessa Blanchard mm. seems focused into the match, doesn't do anything stupid, sort of works on her limitations as well. Like some of her executions sometimes, a little bit sloppy, but it kind of suits the aggressive character. Yeah. Kind of suits the nature of who she is as well. And yeah, I thought this was a really fun match for Gail Kim to go out on, mm. if anything. Um, one of the things I was going to say about Tessa Blanchard as well, she is... Ginny, but better in terms of character and in terms of the way she wrestles. Mm. Look, she's got, got more presence more... than Ginny. Oh, oh yeah. what, but she's everything that Ginny wants to be, and everything that Progress and W and NXT UK portray Ginny as being. Think about her character, that bitchy driven character, right? Mm. Think about what Ginny does in terms of trying to be aggressive with her really awful looking, light looking strikes, right? Think about Tessa Blanchard's size. She's got a really like great body in terms of how toned it is, in terms of how athletic it looks as well. And it suits the role she's in. Ginny is too slight for this to work, if anything. And everything she was doing and the way her character was operating this, I kept thinking of Ginny. She kept coming into my head throughout the match. And I just thought she is the person Ginny needs to aspire to be. And she probably needs to put some weight on as well to actually get to that level. I'm not body shaving, by the way. I'm just saying it because it would make her character so much better. Mm, Definitely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think most women wrestlers could learn a lot just from watching from watching Tessa Blanchard just in general uh yeah but it blows my mind that she's she's not elsewhere but yeah she gets to be like the the boss of Impact's women's division um and come across as a a genuine star so yeah it works um I enjoyed that the only bit I just sorry just to add in the only bit I disliked about the match was the end Hmm. when she when she the hug yeah I thought they need to go like Jericho Michaels Wrestlemania 19 when you know when Jericho low blows Michaels like she should have done something cheap on the way out there they should have had the moment and then she should have got all of her heat back and god fuck you like i'll show some emotion but i'm going to be aggressive overall i'm a little scrapper this is what <laughs> i'm going to do to end this and walked out well they kind of did that with the main event as well didn't they like alex and Luch- um, the lucha brothers kind of gave it the big hug after trying to kill each other throughout the match 
That's yeah. Kind of wrestling now, isn't it? Um, although I suppose there's the story of the, the family, aren't they? So, you know, you can pay it off there. Uh, maybe too much of that in there, modern wrestling for my tastes. Are all Hispanic uh, wrestlers family? All, they're all related to Conan, I think is what we've learned. Because apparently Conan knew, knew the Lucha that, Brothers when they were growing up. This, <laughs> he grew up in the same hood as Eddie Kingston, apparently. Uh, yeah. But like, but they're like just clones of Conan across Mexico and the US. <laughs> he's the, he's uh, the original like, Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, because he was in the hood with Eddie Kingston. I'm pretty sure Eddie Kingston grew up in New York. I'm pretty sure he was from Queens, right? Mm. He was hanging out with Homicide. I'm pretty sure he's Puerto Rican, grew up in New York. But then he was over in AAA doing record business in both Mexico, in LA as well. Like, my He's go- from Miami, is he? I think he is, yeah. yeah. So he must have had a hell of a schedule in the early 90s, looking after all these kids, watching them grow <laughs> up, introducing them to the hood, but also doing like promotional work. Like that WCW money must have gone a long way. It must have been <laughs> dishing that out. Yeah, I think it's a shoot, like when you, those old magazine covers where you'd have like the back when he was in the in his old you know bright colored get up and he'd be on the streets walking around with kids running chasing him like WCW promoting him as the uh, the Mexican Hulk Hogan uh, just that, that, I think that actually might have just been the truth maybe that's the the real story there and that's how we all ended up here well I'm guessing he might have hooked up with Eddie Kingston and the lads when he was Max Moon up in New York for a <laughs> while possibly so there you go he's lived a life that kind of. Uh, did you have any other highlights for the show? I mean, I really, I really enjoyed Rich Swan and Sammy Callahan. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, I thought, uh, uh, wasn't so big on that one. No, I think it's it's a style thing though. Like I, 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 I really like Rich Swan. I really like Sammy Callahan as well. Um, it was very much a a Sammy Callahan match, uh, which I know people can give or take. See, for me, the match was fine. I just wasn't that into it. Mm. Uh, the build-up felt a bit forced. Like, Rich Swan and Sammy Callahan, I didn't know I had any sort of relationship. And when I was watching it, like, Rich Swan, you know, corner boy out of Baltimore, straight out of the wire, I was thinking it's like um, Sammy Callahan is Bunny Colvin <laughs> and uh, Rich Swan is Naaman Bryce from Series 4 of The Wire and he's taking him in and he's giving him this better life. But later on, Colvin and uh, Naaman fall out and end up having a match. And this was what that match <laughs> would be, essentially. No. But this is what that big speech that Naaman gives in season in series five he just oh, he missed a bit returns heel on bunny colvin in his one scene <laughs> yeah when carketti apologizes to colvin is it carketti <laughs> i think it is yeah. yeah good old aiden gillen but yeah sorry i've completely distracted from conversation about the match so who, you two feel who's free du- who's dookie in this scenario that's what i want to know is it one of the ove lads uh, i don't know <laughs> well jp can tell he's mates with dave christ <laughs> jay yeah. christ oh sorry get it right yeah, get it right. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it as a match. I just think the uh, yeah. I think the story maybe worked a bit better for me. I mean, thinking about it, if you if you know we were just talking about Conan going back years, it is a bit much, isn't it, to do a lot of these stories with yeah, you know, me Rich One and Sammy Callahan go back years, and there's all this history you you didn't know about and they play into. But I thought they did a good job of playing it off. And I know people don't always love the the Sammy Callahan plunder matches, the OVE rules matches, but if you were going to do it, JP, this was the place to do it. It is, and I think it's it. You know, it's part of it's sort of 
t- uh, impact, and then he said TNA there for a second, of impact pay-per-views. Mm. Now that they're going to have this kind of match in there. And if there's one thing that is on the card, generally you've got a fair bit of variety in there from sort of silliness and relatively silly booking to some sort of crazy matches. I think the one thing they do miss, and the, the main event did deliver for me on this, is that kind of great world title matches. I think that's you the thing Michael that they, they actually... That's going to be an interesting one. And also, <laughs> Brian Cage is injured, isn't he? Yeah. But See, I thought the Aries matches last year were pretty good. Mm. I really liked the match he had with Moose mm. at that show. Like, the show that had Callahan and Pentagon on as well. I thought that was a really, really good title match. He anchored the show as Aries well as a world champion, but in a way that I don't think Morrison has, and I don't think Brian Cage will, uh, if he does recover from his injury soon enough. Yeah, I don't know what it is about John Morrison or whatever his name is this week, but (laughs) he just doesn't feel like he's a main eventer to me. Like, Mm. I think he probably would have got to that level if he stayed in WWE and they're prepared to push him. But whenever I see him, I'm just kind of like, meh. Like, his matches rarely do anything for me. It feels that there are a lot of guys who have surpassed him in terms of being able to work in the style that he works as well at this Mm. point. He just feels like a bit of an irrelevance to me at this point. They're, they're solid, but very unspe. I know it sounds silly to say unspectacular matches, but you see people doing stuff that's crazier and a bit more, um, almost more spectacular than what he's doing now. It's like the style he works kind of feels somewhat dated to a certain degree. He still has a character and has a kind of solid hand to have there, but he's. I think at this stage of the game, that's not enough. No. You need something a bit more spectacular from that. Mm. Um, I mean, I think with Elgin, there'll be some good matches because Elgin is a really good, really good wrestler. Um, I wonder, you know, how that's going to work out for that. Apparently, there's stuff about he can if he wants to go back to New Japan, and they were all very good with this. Um, one thing I would like to say, sorry, will they have him back? I can't see Elgin going back to it to, to, to uh, New Japan now. I feel like don't think been. so. And I, I saw it today. I won't go. I don't know if you see it, but. Jeff Cobb Taichi was all right. And Jeff Cobb has been kind of slotted into that role. Mm. And the, all I'll say is it, it was it was good fun and, and a lot more wrestling in it than I actually expected, especially from Taichi. But anyway, I digress. One thing I would like to say on the card as well that I do like the addition of is the North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander. Mm. They look like they've got sort of like a good bit of decent credibility with them as well and it'd be interesting to see move LAX out of the Hunter Luch of Brothers View and I thought it'd be good to see them up against LAX just be give it a different dynamic different style of match yeah. as well different sort of feud yeah I could see that form a monster map here aren't they mm. so. any other notes on Impact or anything else you want to talk uh, we've been watching it's a solid show, um, but it wouldn't make me watch Impact again every week. But their pay-per-views are generally decent kind of mm. special shows that kind of interests me every three four months whenever they come along so mm. i'm sure i'll tune into the next one as well i'd like to see a bit more moose on the next one it's a great venue as well mm. it looks really spectacular on t on tv and i see a bit bit more moose in there <laughs> that, that 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 would certainly go he's got new music as well i was yes. gutted when i uh, didn't hear his old music as we expected it but yeah a bit of a shame you can bring it back one day for the big baby face pop yeah, maybe if he's over in PCW again at some point and we're there, that'd be all right. There you go. We'll see him in the Stanley Arms. Uh, <laughs> Many happy women over in Preston that weekend. <laughs> sure, they got him over for the for the love of wrestling, yeah, he would have cleaned up in the, uh, the Liverpool bar scene. Oh, 
Definitely. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, what, uh, what else have we been watching then, JP? Uh, what else do you want to talk? Uh, well, one of the things, and, and the reason I ended up seeing it was um, because of the review that I'd heard you, Martin, and Jamesy give on um, BWE on post wrestling was the Riptide Rumble, mm. which me and Joe had been to the year before that. Great time last year. And an absolutely great time. Can't believe really. Yeah. Crazy. It is, and, you know, schedules, real life, all the rest of it means we've just not had a chance to be able to get back down there. But saw this on the recommendation of what you said. Hmm. Um, haven't seen all of the undercard yet, but in terms of that uh, TK Cooper, Chuck Mambo match and the fun of the rumble itself, hmm. just really great. And it just made me think I want to get down there again soon to see it because it's what they're doing there is really good. Do you think they're doing great stuff, but just it's getting underreported basically and no, not enough people are seeing it? Uh, makes you, I wonder if that's the case, that mm. there isn't necessarily enough coverage. They sort of run, is it, it's not so much monthly, is it? Sort of, like, it does take breaks. I think that they are running less because of like venue hire. I think the yeah. cost of the venue is too expensive for them to run every month or something like that. Maybe the promoter, we could ask him and he might give yeah. us an answer as to why. But I remember seeing something about that at the time. But yeah, they're definitely a promotion that I've only been to once, but I've been meaning to go back ever since we went last year. I can't believe it's been a year. But mm. yeah, hopefully, I think the next show is in July at Brighton Centre. Mm. So. I'd definitely be interested in going to that one if you're available in July, JP. So we'll oh, see. I'm definitely up for that. We'll It'd be see. a lovely place to be in July. It'd be Brighton. That's no. yeah, they they so. They do go a little bit You'd under the radar, that, don't they? I, I don't know. It's a long trip for me, that. Uh, I consider it, though, on the strength of this show. Like, like you were saying, JP, I loved it. I thought, again, I didn't think you'd ever get me into a Chuck Mambo and, and TK Cooper match, but they did it. You mm. know? <laughs> they, made me, they made me care. That match is on YouTube, isn't it, for free? Uh, we want to check out. But, like... Yeah, there's just something about maybe it's the fact that you know they're not using massive names. They're using names that they're getting more out of than any other promotion would. Maybe that's part of why they, they go under yes. the radar a little bit. But whenever you see one of their trailers or anything pop up on Twitter, you know, people that, or, or or any other social media, people are always raving about it because it looks so good uh, as a promotion and the video packages are so mm. good. Uh, but that's kind of yeah, that was the story of the show, wasn't it, JP? The the, the the making it feel important the, the doing the great you know promo work chuck mambo and tk cooper talking me into a match with them two you know talking about their friendship and talking about you know uh, tk cooper kind of taking that to the next level in you know having to do what he has to do to try and win the the, the title belt was important having to win that brighton championship which i love i love that it's a, a brighton championship uh, they do such a good job of making that stuff feel really important and and making yeah a match like Chuck Mambo and TK Cooper feel important. I mean, I'm not going to say it's a it's a five star match by any means, uh, but it's you know a really really strong match. Uh, I don't know if you did you enjoy it as well, JP? Oh, I, I really enjoyed it. I think they the stuff they did with the promos and the build up, and obviously one of the things that we've had the the knock on both of them is in terms of. And it's something that Joe's brought up again tonight about the idea of protecting themselves. Mm. And here, in this environment and in this place, um, it works because they're presented seriously and mm. there's stakes and you care and it matters. And I'm not a fan of this presentation of Mambo, but it bloody works for the crowd. It works for 
for him and how he's presented it and the storylines they give him. And here there was a storyline within the match. He had effectively the heel turn for for Cooper as well. Mm. It, it was I was engaged by it. And it helps because that crowd is red hot mm. and really into it as well. And that helps. And it means that, okay, these people are really invested in it. You become immediately a bit more invested. Both of them stepped, there, stepped it up because they knew it was a big match for them. Mm. They Obviously, look so much more confident, don't they? They look so much more comfortable in the skin. I've never seen TK Cooper look that comfortable as a top heel. It, it, but it almost felt to me, the thing I brought this up with Joe earlier on, the thing that it reminds me of is... Uh, thinking about beyond the mat and thinking of the Paul Heyman quotes on there about accentuate the positives and hide the negatives. Mm. And by God, Riptide do a great job at doing that. Mm. They use people who is effectively the progress trainees (laughs) and undercard and the Rev Pro undercard Mm. and disparate uh, women's wrestlers and they put them into this combination. Mm. Yep. And they make it work and they present people in a way where you know, we're talking about this Chuck Mambo TK Cooper match. Is there ever really a chance we would talk about it in anything? Perhaps if we saw it in any other promotion, in you know, somewhat going, yeah, it was Chuck Mambo TK Cooper. But here, it's well worth watching, and you're completely invested in it. We were talking as well earlier on about uh, marketing, and it, I didn't mention Riptide, but one of the things I really like about them is the way they market themselves, mm-hmm. the way they release those free matches with that really great production style as well on YouTube, um, which is how I first saw the promotion, the way they managed to get their gifts kind of trended on Twitter at times as well. Mm. Not that I'm on Twitter anymore. Uh, um, but I think it's really good use of uh, getting across the kind of visual style that they employ as well to advertise their VOD. But it feels like the actual sort of live uh, kind of experience at the promotion is something that is completely different in many ways to the VOD experience Mm -hmm. because it's so intoxicating when you're there live. You're not getting that visual element, but you're getting that kind of um, participatory pleasure, if anything, and kind of getting to watch young guys who are probably going to be on the cheaper end of the scale as well, which is probably how they afford to pay for the shows in an expensive venue, an expensive city. But seeing them getting over and seeing them kind of being given a bit of a rub, if anything, a promotion that values them and kind of sees them for what they are. And, yeah, I think it's it's great to see someone like TK Cooper having his confidence boosted because he needs it more than anyone in the UK at the moment, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, JP, did you see the, the Rumble match itself as well? Uh, I did. I thought that was a good example of that point as well. You know, not just TK Cooper, the likes of using the likes of a, a Big T Justice or a, or a Yan Simmons or even a, a Dave Benson. They use Dave Benson Phillips to get TK Cooper heat. That was another <laughs> kind of good thing yeah. they did. You know, they made you care about Jack Sexsmith potentially winning the Rumble. Uh, that was my. For me, the, the the abiding thing that gave the best example of what Riptide is was that rumble that everyone who came out to the rumble got a huge response and everyone who came out, it meant something when they came out. And it was people, like you say, like a Big T Justice or a Rishi Ghosh or a Lord Gideon Grey or random Exoticos coming out that shouldn't in any other promotion get that kind of reaction, but they do in Riptide, it really works. Yeah. And the way that, that uh, one of the things I remember you saying about how on the on BW is how difficult it'd be about booking a rumble if you haven't got lots of people behind it as well. But it seemed to be really well paced, mm. and I know obviously they went through some of the entrances really quickly, and they kind of played games with the timings, which is fine because you know 
I kind of expect that with a rumble, mm. but no one else stayed there. Welcome. Mm. Um, everything had a kind of place to it. There was a really great fun bit in the middle with sugar Dunkerton. Oh, he's, he's a star. He's so good. Like I, I tell oh everyone God, that he's great. Like I, I sugar Dunkerton should be everywhere. I know he's getting around a lot, but like the, the charisma out of that man, he was great here as well. Wasn't he? And his, in his dance off segments in a segment that I wouldn't normally enjoy, you know, comedy, everyone kind of stopping and dancing in the ring. Uh, there's just something so endearing about Sugar Dunkerton, though. But yeah, we've had a we've had a love in with him, haven't we? Since PCW and Blackpool. Yeah, we have, and it's still going strong. And it, and he does really well for himself. And he's a really nice bloke who works his socks off, so he deserves all of all of the joy that he's getting at the minute. Also, a word for Gene Money, who I thought was really good fun in there as well. Um, but they yeah they had some really you know we talk about someone like Ashmore, who I think I saw on one of progress show i forgot he was on, like, live at the dome shows and stuff he as was well. he was on there and here he looks somewhat like a bit of a star in in there with a with a crowd kind of reacting to him i, I was it was it was really heartening as well because looking up and down the card i mean the big import on the show was mercedes martinez hmm. that that's the kind of big <laughs> import they've gone in for hmm. and I, I think you know it's it's something where the crowd are clearly invested in the storylines. I would agree that the next stage, I think, on the production is is potentially commentary. And if you go to the venue, they have got a kind of upper tier which isn't open to the public, where possibly you could have some kind of commentary team set up for it. Mm. Um, and to follow on the point, I love the idea of long takes in wrestling, and they. You know, it's edited properly. I mean, Seda did the interview with with Josh, who's the the uh, the promoter for Riptide before, and he said, you know, they pay for that video production, and it's up there on screen, and it makes you just think. You know, we talk about what Rev Pro need in order to kind of stand out, and on a production scale, they should have something along the lines of this. Mm. It feels like a lot of the guys that progress kind of. A lot of the guys were bubble under in progress two, three years ago who have just never been elevated to those positions in progress are kind of actually given a proper platform here and Spectrum, sort of treated eh? a bit, yeah, treated of a bit more respect, if anything, mm. and don't, haven't necessarily bought, because Riptide aren't a promotion on the, on, of the stature of progress, they maybe haven't bought in to the promotion, if mm. you know what I mean, whereas Riptide sort of understand that they're at the same level as this talent, and it feels like a much better fit for them at this moment in time. I suppose it's just, it can Riptide grow, so these guys grow at the same time, and you could also argue at the same time that there's no room <laughs> for growth at the moment, because yeah, there's just so so much going on and what is growth for these guys i think maybe they're a little bit disadvantaged by the location not that they're not selling out every every time they run which is great mm. but at the same time brighton is kind of hard to, to get to oh, anyway. it's like it's really expensive seven hours it me. is <laughs> yeah yeah it is it is uh even if You're i'm dealing with southern rail who are ah oh, don't southern rail are fucking awful if i'm at home in southampton there's no motorway but directly you get the m20 27 then you're an a roads for the rest of it it's not an easy route from either location that i'm kind of based out of to brighton but i definitely make an effort to get down in july when i've got a little less on and yeah would really love to go to brighton again so let's see if we can make something work good and, and join us benno please i'd love to but yeah maybe i maybe have to pace it over a couple of days and make me trip but 
I don't know. To be honest, I'm quite happy just to watch them on the VOD. Like, it's so cinematic and so great to just watch at home. Maybe I'll just wait for that. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, the, a trip to the Bison Beer House and a trip to that venue does uh, does is tempting. What's the Bison Beer House? There's a little promo video mm. in there for the Bison, uh, oh, bison Beer House. Throughout the VOD, yeah, they keep it. I thought, did you guys not go when you went down there? It looked like a very Joe place. Joe's Beer Corner will be right at home. Ah, well, maybe uh, on July 5th, the episode following the Beer Corner Return. <laughs> there you go. We could do that. Um, but yeah. I, I, beer <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was a Cornish fancy beer. Well, we clearly talk ah, about it. Cornwall. <laughs> yeah. Co- what do you hate more, Cornwall or horses? Um, horses in Cornwall. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, do we, do we have anything else before we go? I'm guessing you guys don't want to talk about NXT UK or uh, is there anything else? No, I can't say I've seen it. It's, it's amazing to have a Walter Devlin match that I think oh, I might get around to seeing it this weekend or I might not. It's fine. It's a match that existed. It's it. All it says is there was a Devlin Walter match and nobody blinked. Uh, no. Why? In, I'm not going to watch it because. Why watch a match between Jordan Devlin and Walter? There's no stakes, yeah. and the entire context of what's gone before mm. is stripped away from it. Mm. When I can just go back and watch either of the OTT matches, which are going to be superior. Fuck NXT UK, shite promotion. The latest spoilers from those Glasgow shows look just so dull, so uninteresting. I'm not sure anyone would watch it when there's so much more product going on out there and there's so much kind of more creative and interesting wrestling going on out there. It's just a dead promotion that's just filling a place in the market so someone has some sort of hold and presence in a market. Selfish bastards the WWE. If I think of the things I've watched this week that I've enjoyed, I enjoyed the Riptide Rumble, enjoyed the NWA show, enjoyed Impact, mm. um, enjoyed what I saw of the Champions Carnival and even the, the New Japan main events today. I haven't got time to watch something like NXT UK, but I think of all that good stuff within a week and I'm thinking, nah, I don't want to see it in front of a group of people who, you know, who are there primarily to take a photo with Alexa Bliss at Access. Yeah, should we just go an hour longer and just bash WWE? That's <laughs> what people tune in for. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. We're never going to be the uh, the NXT uh, UK loving podcast. Um, but what have you guys got? What, what, what are we watching next week? I think we'll probably, I think we'll finally get round to those Viceland documentaries. I think we should probably uh, maybe talk them, catch up on, on some New Japan. Yeah, I've seen the first three, waiting for the Von Erichs one, which I'll try and watch this weekend. Bit Wrestling Don Taku on Sunday. Yeah, I'll watch a bit of that. Uh, got Cockpit on Sunday as well, which I'll be attending. So there's always that as well that we can talk about. And depends when we come back, because we'll have been to York Hall as well mm. by the next time we record, I think. Oh, oh really yeah. True. We can talk about that too. To be honest, no, but we won't, we won't be able to talk about progress and certainly parts of it, potentially for 21 days. So <laughs> That says everything, doesn't it? Uh, and those Viceland documentaries are going to slip. I can feel it again. Um, I'm desperate to talk about that just because I want to I want to talk about Dave Meltzer's office. Did you see the photos Dave, of that? Oh. that? That's a fire hazard. That is, someone needs to have a word with Dave with those papers all over his floor. Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah, he needs to sort it out. There was someone who put up a photo, and it was one that was taken from another piece where he was interviewed. I don't know if he was that New York Times piece when mm. he was he was featured. Like 10 and years ago. it was still ago. an office. It, it was still a state then. He did have and... a fire extinguisher in the corner though, so there is that. Oh, fuck <laughs> it. How's he, he going to get to it? He's going to trip up and twat his head on a bookcase or something, is 
Well, that that's big picture die. of Cyborg versus Carano that he's got in there oh, from Strike Force. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe we'll talk that next week. But yeah, we'll catch up on all that stuff. Catch up on some Rogue Pro, and yeah, uh, we'll look forward to that. Uh, anything else before we go? Anything you want to say? Fuck horses, don't send me pictures. Don't send me pictures of fucking horses, for <laughs> God's sake. Uh, you know we're going to get them because you're not on Twitter. Now. Me and yeah. JP are just going to get I'm tagged. I'm so in annoyed them. that that slipped well, out. Pass it on to Joan. <laughs> oh, I'm just angry that, that slipped out. I'm oh. just, uh, think, think of the piss we take out of JP. It'll be my turn next time, Joe. Sorry. Oh, no, exactly. You're taking the turn this week. <laughs> All in good humour, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look forward to it. Awesome. Well, uh, send your, your horse pictures to at JPGP on Twitter. Uh, also, so you can find me on Twitter at Benson Richard E. Follow Grapple at Grapple App. Uh, download Grapple uh, on the iTunes, the Apple App Store. You can search for that. Just search in the word Grapple. Also search uh, on Android in the Google Play Store. You can download it there and uh, add your ratings for uh, the matches that we've talked about uh, on this show from the likes of, of Impact and, and All Japan. Um, and yeah, join the conversation there too. And if, and if you want to follow us on there as well, we're on oh, there, yeah. Benno. They can have a look at our ratings. Chuck us a little follow. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, see, see what we're rating. I'm going to throw my uh, my impact ratings up in a bit just as I watched that this evening. Uh, and you can see what we uh, we gave that there. And yeah, uh, join in with us and uh, we'll follow them back, won't we, JP? Yes. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> but yeah, download Grapple, follow us on all that, all that good stuff. And yeah, we'll be back next week. Nay. I'm so annoyed that fucking pick that that advert. <laughs> so I was looking for four one one, right? At Zonka's review up. Just at like oh. not the review itself, sorry, it's come up again. Because <laughs> I went on to the page. You okay, Joe? And, and it, just the bit where he just had the listings of the matches. I was like, oh okay, just as a reminder. Um then it just came up as one of the adverts on there. <laughs> a scary picture. It is. It's a purple horse. Yeah. I'm going to have to screenshot it and watch, send it over, aren't I? Watch Sorry to Bother You as right, well. Just, just... Because the end of Sorry to Bother You scared the shit <laughs> out of me. And I, I'd honestly dreamt. What happens in the, at the end of Sorry to Bother You? I'd had a dream that was very similar before and woken up in like cold sweats and stuff. It's worth. It's a good film. I've never good seen. Film. I haven't seen it. It looks great. It looks like exactly. Like, it's the bloke from uh, Atlanta, isn't it? Um, I really yeah, do want to see yeah, it. Yeah, the other guy. Is it Lakeith Stanfield? Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah. He's so good in Atlanta. I do want to see it. it the Progress guy should watch it as well because it's all about like selling out and selling your soul um, <laughs> <laughs> and like happiness based around that. So yeah, I think uh, Jim Smallman would enjoy it. <laughs> brilliant. Don't put that in. <laughs> I mean it's not like it's any worse than anything we've already said <laughs> true <laughs> I just wanna love you baby that's a cracking shoe